0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Kiel Show here live on Twelve Ounce Sports. I'm your host, Askie Alongside me, the Inside of the Insiders, Kiel.
1: Tyler Keel. Hello, everyone. I'm tired. Yeah. You tired? I'm tired. I will say this, though, before we get too far into all of our sponsors, Alex, we obviously got to thank some people that give us swag and stuff. Absolutely. You yourself have purposely slanted your laptop backwards let so the just, camera just put can that, see your Mystery just... Alaska shirt right now. Look at that.
0: You I mean, like I it. Yeah, love kind of, it.
1: I'm sure everyone right now is like sitting there looking at this, like, hey what? You, you, know, you like ca- that big old M? But no, I the just. Mystery Alaska. Eskimos. The mystery Eskimos. Yes. No. No, Eskimos, they were not the Eskimos. Eskimos on ice. Just and, a quote
0: from the movie, folks. Just yeah. a quote from the movie. Yeah. No, I am wearing my Mystery Alaska John B.B. jersey shirt that I ordered from this Etsy shop. Uh, I think it was April I ordered it and I got it last week. Really? Thanks, COVID. But. Before we get deeper into the show and talking about who's wearing what, we have to make sure to shout out 12 Ounce Sports. We are here live on 12 Ounce Sports, watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Zingo TV, channel 761. Sign up for free today using the code 12OUNCE. That's
1: 1-2-O-Z-O-Z for our Canadian listeners. Hey, you got it right, Alex. No, no it's o, it's Z for everyone else's Z for improper English users. Sure. Not going to let that one die, Alex. You know that. Sure, Tyler. Get involved in the show using hashtag TKS at
0: The Keel Show on Twitter and Facebook. If you have any questions, hit us up in the chat or in the comments during today's episode or whenever you get to watch this or listen to this. We will try to do our best to answer your questions during the show or on the next, maybe, possibly, if you do so. Yes. Today's show on 12 On sports is brought to you by Second String Leather Company. Big sale today and, you know, well, for the been, foreseeable future. For the last little while. $75 for waffle board wallets, $50 Apple Watch bands, $55 bathroom bags, and more. Secondstringleather.com is where you can get those deals. Second String Leather
1: Company, crafted from the crease. We should remember the, the YouTube, I guess, had a little bit of overlap, so we'll be live on YouTube here in just a minute. We'll have to explain to the YouTube people why we're late. We will have to do that. We are also brought to you by mybookie.ag.
0: Betting on all sports, win, and get paid. Use the promo code 12 Ounce Sports
1: and join for free today. 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 today what's, the, oh, what's today? I'm trying to think. There's a song. That I'm I just sang here. it. But there's another song, though. There's another song I'm pretty sure that I'm trying to think of off the top of my head.
0: Okay, Tyler. I, I don't, don't know, know what I you're
1: talking about. I don't know
0: either. But... While we are on the topic of deals and merch and
1: stuff like that, we have to make sure to promote our own merch. Look at that! Look at all this merch. Even though I tell say this in all of our podcast our podcast listeners are like, we can't see squat. You gotta see it with your ears, guys. And Listen. that's why I
0: get to say, make sure to check out tspring.com. That's T-E-E, the word spring.com slash
1: stores <laughs> slash the Kiel Show. Hey, make sometime- sure you you're on the keel show. It's the dash QL dash show.
0: Yes, Teespring.com yes. slash stores slash The Keel Show for all
1: of your awesome TKS swag. Tacular swag. Tacular swag. swag. Tacular a, swag. Tacular swag. Okay, Tyler. It's a conundrum. Okay. Actually, that's proper. That's probably the wrong word to use in that scenario. But, but on today's program,
0: program, we will have none other than USHL's commissioner, Tom Garrity, he was going to chat with us for a little bit about their return to play. They and start
1: up uh, this weekend. Well, actual games. The regular season starts up. Actual games are starting
0: up, yep. Uh, locally, we had the Muskegon Lumberjacks playing a couple games as against the developmental program over at USA Hockey for a couple uh, of those. Um, we will also be talking to none
1: other than Chris King, the radio play-by-play voice of the New York Islanders. That'll be a fun one. I think that'll be, I'm, knock on wood, I think that'll be a fun one. He seems like a cool guy. He's been around there forever. That is true. Yeah, it has been a hot second. But we'll also be talking about
0: some other news as well, including jerseys, possibly some signings.
1: And our first topic of the day. Oh, boy. A some would say controversial topic. Well, this has been a topic that this will be the third time we've talked about it on this show, Alex. I don't think you've been here for either of them because it was one of the weeks I was here by myself, and then last week, we had, we had Tate Harris from the O Show on, and we talked about it then.
0: Yes, and I was not but, there, for obviously, for um, reasons with um, your wife.
1: Well, it was it was more of a le- precaution. Precaution. We have to make sure to be, you know... Actually, we both tested negative. We wanted to make sure that everyone was going to be safe and healthy and good. We didn't want to get any more people sick than we already did. Correct. So, so, with that being said... Apparently, let's, just coughs are... I mean, guys, colds are still a thing. Colds are, colds still, are a thing.
0: still a thing. Well, here's the thing. Colds are still a thing. The flu is still a thing. But the flu symptoms... There are some flu symptoms that share the same... Or the flu share some symptoms that are shared with COVID. And for people that don't get the flu shot, um, you're more susceptible to the flu. And if you don't have COVID and you have the flu or you're recovering from the flu, you may get... COVID, or you may, may be more susceptible because, well, if your body is down on the dumps, yeah, you might catch something. It's just how it is. So make sure if you have not gotten your flu shot, make sure to get your flu shot, be vaccinated, all that good stuff. Keep, 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 you know, just keep taking care of yourself, all that good stuff. Vitamin C, always good. You know, I take effervescence every day. It's always good.
1: Not yep. necessarily good for the liver, but, uh, you know. Alex, knowing you and I, our livers have no chance. That is true. They have no chance. No, not a chance at all. What? What? Talking about butts? Oh, yes. We have we no have butt two. checks, no four checks. Well, four well, checks. You maybe. can four check back check, but you can't check check. No, in the cannot. OH in the OHL. Well, no, at it least it is, is official. There no, is, no, hold on. There, hold at on. least at this moment,
0: at this moment, it is official that there is no body checking allowed in the Ontario Hockey League of the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League. Uh, they are making the announcement now uh, with. You know, there's a lot of people that have gone on social media, you know, former players. um, I don't think any of current players of the OHL have said anything about it, which I think is probably a smart move. But Premier Doug Ford of Ontario... Uh, says he wants checking in the OHL. Tyler, what are your initial
1: thoughts? Well, so when I've talked about it on this show, the first thing I always say is you cannot actually have a season without without checking, or else it's beer league. I said it, Alex. Alex, you could be at least a 50-point guy in the OHL if there's no checking. That is true. That is true. 50 points, even if you were fourth liner, because there's going to be probably 300-point guys. It's not a legit... You, you can't if imagine if you're a guy going to his draft, 17 like year old kid. Imagine last year, Cole Perfetti, Quentin Byfield, these guys that are skill and have to fight through checks. Imagine if last year they didn't have to check. They didn't check in the OHL. Quentin Byfield setting records with 400 point seasons. Cole Perfetti is well, on the next. the number Well, three now, pick. here's the
0: thing, though. You have to take into consideration that people are going to be not looking at this. If if this plays out how we think it is going to be, well, how, as it, th- how
1: it, is, it is right now. I have my saying on what may happen, but go ahead.
0: As of right now, if things go to the plan of the OHL and the Canadian government, teams are going to have to look at these seasons with an asterisk. Just like how I look at the, NH- the past NHL season with an asterisk, with the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup, there's an asterisk, whether it's harder or, or it's easier, whatever, however you want to put it, there's
1: going to be an asterisk next to it. Okay, Chat's disabled on YouTube. Interesting. Pardon? Chat is disabled on the YouTube. Oh well, that's no fun. That's bummer. Yeah, that's who uh, get our feedback and stuff. Well, if you
0: are watching us on YouTube, make sure to hit us up on Twitter at the Keel Show on Twitter and send us your comments there. We'll make sure to Facebook refresh well. our, pe- our, pe- our feed You're and wh- Facebook up as well. Holy smokes, Alex! I thought I was off today. I'm trying to go with this. You're I'm keeping keep to... it moving here. But, but um, so yeah, with that being said, there's going to be there should be an asterisk along with it. So scouts and. Hockey professionals. You know, I just realized. Trusted hockey men. They're going to be looking at this season, and they're not going to be, you know, taking everything. They're going to take this with a grain of salt because you say it's like beer league. I like to personally think of it as uh, more along the lines of women's hockey because, at least um, to my knowledge, most
1: women's hockey leagues don't allow hitting. They allow body contact. Yes, but it sounds like it's just uh, so the this all pertains back to the interview with Rick West and Lisa McLeod. It, where it was an absolute dumpster fire of where he sa- where she said, there's how can you have checking right now? Except every other competitive hockey league is allowing checking, whether it be Bantams that are playing right now, Midgets, North American Hockey League, USHL, we'll get to that here in a little bit. The WHL has a plan to come back, but they are not starting yet, but they will come back. The Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, even though they had to shut down a couple times due to COVID outbreaks, they were going to come back at normal capacity. It's just the fact that compare It's similar to how NCAA football, NCAA hockey, a lot of the NCAA sports. They're letting the conference determine when they want to come back. That's why Big Ten only started last weekend, not this past weekend, the weekend before, and the SEC started almost on time. Right. They're allowing each league to do their own thing, and since the each conference and since the government does have control over sport, Lisa McLeod is the minister of sport in Ontario. That's true. They can determine when everything starts up and how it starts up. Now, yes, they were planning to start in late December, which we discussed with Tate, but then they moved it, and now they're shooting for February. I would like to think, Alex, by now until February, that Miss McLeod, M- Ms. Ms., um, Lisa McLeod, whatever the prior is, is that what you call it, the prior, the Mr. and uh, Mrs., Mrs. Mrs. thing? I don't know. Who knows? Lisa McLeod realizes that there needs to be checking in hockey. Now yes, whether or not you have fisticuffs, whatever, I get it. If you don't want to have fighting, that's fine. That is fine if you don't have fighting. I've accepted the fact that fighting will eventually be phased out, not just completely cut off, but for this year, I could I'm okay with a rule on I'm okay with the rule of having not having fighting this year. Now, a real good point that was made, I forgot who's put it on Twitter, but someone posted, I'm like, you guys are like OHL having problem with with hitting. Like I get that. Like, like how would you have a problem with hitting? When there's an overhead of a face-off, I'm like this is where everyone's going to start breathing on top of each other. Honorifics, by the way. Honorifics, yes, for the misses or miss. I don't know which one that is for her. But that's why I said was like I don't get why face-offs where they're really right next to each other. Alex, are like uh, sticks down, boys. Well, right. That
0: that is a big thing, and I, I, this, I don't, we're, basically, we're basically having the same conversation that we did. With the return to play with the NHL, right? Um, is the CHL going to mandate full face protectors with mesh masks on them? Well, are we going to require the refs to wear masks during games? Over you know perf- you know uh, protective masks. Well, not necessarily protective masks, but you know like medical masks or medical grade masks at the very least uh, during games. That's a, a solid question. I don't know. I don't know the best answer for you purely on the basis that I don't have all the answers. I'm not a medical professional. I just listen to what the medical professionals have to say. What I would say in the case of the Ontario Hockey League is that they should delay the process. Um, or at the very least, well, have have the process with the contingency that they do not start until they have body checking allowed again in
1: the league. And that's why I think February that's why they're that's why you have now 3 months to wait. Now yes, all the stats right now are proving that we are heading into an absolute and utter gong show and, you know, just it's not looking good. Well, but, no, I mean th- you have, you have
0: to think about it. I mean, when we were first going through this global pandemic, it was the tail end of winter. Right. Um and the scientists have come to some sort of conclusion that the COVID virus does better in
1: the colder months, similar to the flu does. And Like that's why I said like we were taking precautions last week because Kelly right. and I were and coughing I mean, but we didn't know. Right. And, and I mean it's just, just a cold. and
0: it's another case of a lot of people are staying inside more.
1: Um so everyone's looking at us right now you guys you are like a fun can't. to have in front of each other of course you guys are gonna get COVID listen calm down people like we're we're safe that's why we made sure hey Alex yeah, no, I we, don't we, know we have, if we're feeling we, good we have been taking
0: precautions that's for darn
1: certain like if Alex said he was sick if he didn't feel well he stayed home if right. I, I like last week hey Alex I don't know if I'm feeling too well we can have you call in okay I'll stay home perfect we're doing precautionary purposes I'm sorry I, so, I sound weird in a mask okay it just it that is, that is true. And they want to see my pretty face um, out cuz the people want this. The people want this. I don't think they want
0: that. They want this. Um but yeah, so I I don't really I don't think I have an an initial thought to it other than the fact that I just don't think that they should play without body checking. No, that's that's why I, I I just don't think that it's a feasible option. I mean, I'm most it's horrible I'm most welcome with them playing without fans. Um
1: I just think that's
0: because hasn't the Quebec major junior
1: or junior? They, major, were, they were starting their exhibition season and they kind of slowed right, that down. Right, because ran Arma- Ramouski Ramuski and the Armada. The, as far as I know, when I talked to Tate last week. The Maritimers were still playing because the Maritime is so secluded from everything. Well, right.
0: That's what I'm saying. I think I saw a game or I watched a clip of the game. It was uh, Ramoski and Armada. I think it was, which is funny because Armada was one of the organizations that said that had to shut down for a hot second um, because they had a positive case on the team. But I, yeah, that's that's really all I got for it is just say it's just saying that I think that they should just wait.
1: Well, it's this is why it's going to be great for you all to stay tuned for our interview here in about for a little less than fifteen minutes now. Bottom of the hour, we're talking with Tom Garrity. Commissioner of the United States. Bottom Hockey of the League. hour. That, that's the phrase. Bottom of the hour. Top of the hour is your six o'clock. Bottom of the hour is like your 630. That's weird. I don't like that. Don't say that. That's oh, that's what bottom I, of the hour
0: mean to me. That's sounds like every single broadcast
1: lingo ever. Bottom of the hour. The 30 top of the hour. I would. No. I, I can go with that. That's why I say quarter to quarter after hey, half after. Like, let's say this. Hey, we'll still probably. Hopefully we're still talking to Tom Garrity at the quarter to seven at the bottom of the hour will be, and that's why we at the See, eight the o'clock hour
0: sounds like the end
1: because it's the end. bottom of the ninth. Listen, this is broadcasting, not baseball top down, top, no, top to the bottom, top, top down, to ro- bro- top down rotation. Ooh, do start doing abs right now. No, I, and listen, I, and this is why it's going to be interesting because these leagues are allowing hitting, but, and the difference, everyone's like, well, it worked with the NHL. Why does it not work with the OHL or how that, because guys, here's the difference. They were able to seclude themselves from the outside world. You can't do that if you're in the OHL because these kids got to go to school. A lot of those kids. There's a couple overagers that aren't going to class. They're not taking any college classes. Well, They're you fine. can take
0: online
2: courses.
1: But what I'm saying is like... I am th- proof of that. The oh. United States public school system all, is all, proof all of that. All of these young kids are taking classes. So they can't like seclude themselves. <laughs> Excuse me. That's just a cough. Everyone calm down. I'm just telling you. It's a, it's just a cough. You better be watching it. I, that's what I turned I'm going to
0: make you put on a mask. I don't care.
1: Yeah, because then you're going to hear muffled nonsense, which is already what we they, people already hear anyways. Basically. So you can do that with the OHL. You can't do that with the USHL either because all these kids, especially USHL where these kids go from junior hockey to college. So these kids are already in, they're in school. They have to go around the public, so you really can't do that. So you're looking at it, and that's why we're going to be great. We're talking the USHL and the AHL, which we didn't talk a whole lot about Last week, they're starting in February now because these guys are going to be traveling around. They're going to be going out in public and you're going to see games, whether it be in college hockey, which is only starts in less than two weeks now, Alex, with big 10 hockey and Atlantic hockey starting up. You're going to see with junior hockey. You're going to see with the ECHL games will have to be postponed. Games are going to have to be moved around because there will be positive cases. That's just, it's just the, the long and the truth of it. So. You're just going to have to accept the fact that you need hitting the game in order to have proper development. That's that's just my take on that, Alex. Right. Well, that is definitely something
0: that's going to be need, need to be talked about <laughs> and something that's going to obviously be a development as we go through the rest of fall into the winter, into next spring. Um, but before we get USHL Commissioner Tom Garrity on the line, let's talk about a quick few signings. Uh, the two-time back-to-back Stanley Cup <laughs> champion, Patrick Maroon, has re-signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning. A one-year deal worth $900,000. Two years. Look at him go. He Is it a two-year deal? Is it, two-year de- a, is it a two-year deal?
1: You wrote. It down oh, one. I thought, oh, it's only a one-year
0: deal. Yeah, one I year de- it was a two-year deal. No, one-year deal, which personally I think that if he's only going to get a one-year deal, I think he should be getting a little bit more than that because, well... If the trend follows the suit, then he should be getting buco bucks for two Stanley Cups. Yeah, but I,
1: I believe Munroon realized... Well, first of all... Munroon? Munroon. The Montreal Maroons, which literally the Mr. Alaska sweater is based off of. Patrick Maroon's got to realize... I think he realized that, A, he's not going to be worth... even in a Even in a decent market, Alex, in a normal market where the cap would continue to rise, he may not be a guy that would be getting paid more than a million and a half, two million dollars. Right. I think he realizes that. So that's why he said, All right, 900 grand is fine, especially with a team that's going to be cap strapped, that's going to have to make some moves like the Tampa Bay Lightning. This was their year. They had to win this year. Right. There was no if, ands, or buts. They needed to win this year because with the cap being flat, they're going to have to move some players around in order to actually suffice a team next year. Mm. So I like the fact that. You know they were able to get on a cheap contract, and I know there's a couple other guys that they were able to get on cheap deals as well. So good, to, yeah, good to see Maroon just just staying in the game. True.
0: Um, the next signing that we have listed is a local boy, Tyler Bertuzzi. No, not really local. Um, well, he played in Grand Rapids, so local boy. Playing Grand Rapids is playing for Detroit, and still will be playing for at least another year. Three point five million dollars for a one year deal, Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, I think this is a good move. Personally, because Detroit's going through this transition period. They have a lot of draft picks within the next few years. And I think the entire identity of the team is going to be changing very soon. And I don't know whether or not Tyler Bertuzzi is going to be part of that. Um, He's had a lot of problems, whether it be punching guys from the bench, punching guys, spearing guys, um, trying
1: to tomahawk guys with the leg. I, I, th- I think, I I think
0: the Red Wings organization just looks at him as possibly another Abdelkader. He hasn't been necessarily the Well, biggest. that's what
1: Abdelkader was making. Well, that is true. Well, he's making like four and change. but He's heading in that direction in terms I th- of his contract. I think the reason why it's so high is because
0: it is a one-year deal. So you have to kind of be like, all right, let's work something out. So we'll pay you a little bit more for one year and then go from there. But I think that is the general... Um, Notion is that they don't want Tyler Bertuzzi to become the next Cater for the team where he gets a long deal for a lot of money. And he, he's not the biggest point getter. Right. He's not, he's not the biggest voice in the room. Um, he's not really, he's not really someone that he's your go-to. He's, he's not, you're not really going to go to him and put him in game winning situations at all. No. So I don't, I don't think that he's going to be making a lot of money. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just don't think that he's going to be the big thing or be a part of a big part they, of the culture moving towards. They
1: moving they want him around because he has that little fire in him and he can still He's a decently skilled player. It's obviously it's it, with the and that's why when that's the trend I've seen with all these free agent signings, not many long-term deals because players are hoping, "Hey, in a few years that money will go up, so my money will go up." So no one's going to sign. There's only a few guys that are signing big-term contracts. And that's why Petrangelo signed for seven or eight years because he's like, hey, I may never get this chance out there again because in four years, say he signed a three- or four-year contract, Alex, he may not be the same Alex Petrangelo that he is right now. His stock may not be as high. That's why Eric Carlson was able to goat Doug Wilson and given him $11 million, even though he's maybe worth half that nowadays. Right. That's all I got on that one. <laughs> that's all
0: you got on that one? Yep. Uh, the next one that we have is Hayden Fleury. Fleury. Um Signing with good old Carolina. Re-signing. Uh, two years, one point three million. It's worth it. It's just worth it. Carolina needs to keep their core players and even their depth ones. As of right now, I think they're still in this in slot lo- in- where they're very competitive. They have shown that they can get deep into the playoffs. They can consistently stay in the playoffs. Um,
1: yeah, no I, I like. Even though they got knocked out in the first round this year, I still think the future. They still have an opportunity. I for them, it's the consistency in scoring, the ability to play tough minutes in the playoffs, and, I mean, they'll they'll learn. We And that's the thing with Tampa. They learned. It took them a long time, but they learned. Right. Carolina will learn. They play right in that division. They play in a tough Metro division. They will have to learn how to beat teams in the Atlantic, and eventually they may, if they continue on the right path and they spend their money wisely. And they... I like their goaltending tandem. Mrazek and Reimer. Always love Reimer. Uh, I don't... But... They need to solidify that somehow. They do. Morazic needs to be either if Osmorazic has a Vesna caliber year, I don't think they're going to win. Yeah. Well, I
0: if I think that keep, if they keep going with the tandem thing, I think they might have to switch out Reimer for somebody just because I just don't think that he works well with the rest of the team personally. I, I think I, I, I
1: think, think, wor- I, think wor- I think he works well. He's just getting old. He's getting well, older. Well, not necessarily that it's
0: the team plays better when they have a goalie behind them that is calm and collected. And James Reimer does not play like that. We all know that. Well, It's just his play style. It's not anything. Reimer
2: it's, can't. It's, it's
0: the same thing like in baseball where people would rather have someone who throws overhand than a submarine. It's just how it works. It's just a it's a personal Reimer
2: thing. doesn't
1: throw a submarine. He throws straight four. He's a straight shooter. He tells you. I'm no. just happy to be here, everybody.
0: Yeah, Reimer throws underhand. Reimer's happy to be there. Um, the next one that we got is Victor Olofsson. He signed as an extension with Buffalo, two years by three point zero five million. Great uh,
1: power play guy. He just needs to show they can play five on five. That's why he's only taking two years, and Buffalo still has a little bit of money, even though they gave Taylor Hall eight million for just a year. So yeah. I we'll like. S- we'll see how that he's got works room out. to grow.
0: Um, Alex Gilchenyuk signed with the Ottawa Senators. Just another one of their. Uh, recent acquisitions that's going to bolster their team up one year by 1.05. Not a lot of money, not a lot of term. I would say it's a good deal for both parties involved. High year. Uh, Dominic Cahoon, I want to make sure. Is that Cahoon? it's Yep, Dominic Cahoon. Cahoon. Uh, he is going to Edmonton one year by
1: $975,000. Which is funny because do you think Pittsburgh would like to keep a cheap player like that, especially with their high-end contracts? And the fact that he can still kind of play, but then again, I guess... Jim Rutherford says, yeah, or, or he forgot he was there. Yeah.
0: I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Pittsburgh right now. We'll have to see. Are they going to win? Are
1: they going to lose? We'll have to
0: see as we get closer to next season slash the season after that. Will
1: they need a guy? Will they need one player to save the franchise from moving again for the third time ever? (laughs) Maybe. Hey, Um, Crosby, who's the next one? Who's the next one that saves Pittsburgh from their eventual dormant dorm mentality? Because they win dormant. Dormantality. It's not a great compound word, Alex, but it is one I just used. And we're going to ride with it. Because okay. you're going to move on to the next signings, for God's sakes. Okay. <laughs> um, we don't say
0: we're a Leaf centric podcast, but we have a section purely for Leaf's players. Well, because
1: they signed the most notable players in the last week. They signed two. Two. <laughs> they signed more than everyone else ever were notable.
0: Uh, Doses. They, again. Signed Michael Hutchinson two years two or excuse me seven hundred
1: and twenty five thousand dollars two way deals that's the kicker two way contract so you may have with the Leafs Frederick Anderson Jack Campbell in the minors Aaron Dell and Michael Hutchinson four NHL goaltenders in your system Alex no. four, sorry four goaltenders that can play in the NHL Alex okay here's my thing with Hachi
0: you have four goaltenders that can wear pads in an NHL game.
1: Okay, everyone gives Hutchinson flack. And I get it, I, I get don't it. like him. Hold on. Alex. I don't like Dell either. Did you Okay, Dell, he had a very bad year. But uh, <laughs> lo, but look at the team Hutchinson was played was playing behind last season. And then he goes to Colorado and dang near comes back against Dallas. Plays phenomenal because he played phenomenal. He played behind a good team. A good team. Capable defensive team. So outs. you, th- so what you're telling
0: me is that the Leafs are not defensively capable. What do you
1: think I've said on this program? I've said it. They need to bolster up their defense. if They actually want to be stronger. Which they, they kind of did. Well, I mean, I'm kind of. If, if Bogosian can play, I'm sure. I don't
0: know. I think Dubas needs to be fired by this point.
1: Well, he, uh, well, hopefully he's not fired because that makes his next sign look a little bad because he's got faith in this kid. That is true. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Let's. So let's
0: talk about. So. Kyle Dubas decides to extend Joey Anderson who is traded uh, to Toronto from New Jersey for Andreas Janssen. Yep. Uh, 3 years by 725,000. Now, for one, I don't like the fact that they traded away Janssen. But I thought, was, I but thought he was a good player. But
1: it's 3.4 off the cap. Now you're now you're only paying 725. True.
0: Second thing is that in track record Kyle Dubas has not done well with, quote-unquote, his guys when it comes to the Leafs organization. I, and I, and I I'm talking about the I'm talking about the Maple Leafs, not the Marleys, The Maple Leafs. He's not done well with the Maple Leafs. He put a lot of faith behind Cody CeCe. He was a complete dud. And... I get it, yeah. He's, he's, he's vouched for a lot of other players on the team, and where are they now? They're either not on the team, or they are on the team, and they shouldn't be there.
1: So, yeah, I'll, I mean, I'm interested to see how he plays. I mean, apparently, he. Anal- I mean, he just, he, he, Rachel Dory vouches for him, and Rachel Dory is a very capable person. Anal- the, he's an
0: analytical... No, not, no
1: and not analytics, but also an eye test as well. He looks good, he just didn't get the, the opportunity to play in New Jersey, which was funny, because he was on a bad team in New Jersey, but apparently, the Leafs will look at him, he may be a guy that enter in the lineup, but... Yeah, so I see but I'd here's think, the thing.
0: There's a reason why Andreas Janssen is worth three point four million dollars. I know. Because he was there's th- a reason why. And there's a reason why he would probably be worth three point five million dollars if he played for the Leafs.
1: Yeah. One so, because
0: they like even numbers. Who knows? That end in five or zero. Or even numbers that end in five or zero. No, they like they like units of five. That's right. just how that's
1: right. how it works. But yeah. But yeah. I so think should, we should go uh, to break here I think we should go to break I was waiting for you to go to break because you got the man waiting for us the man the myth the legend maybe well, the legend I don't, think we'll see. I don't think he's a myth hopefully he he's might
0: be. he might be a legend someday we'll be back with a wonderful USHL hockey guest right after this Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Keel Show here on 12-Ounce Sports, brought to you by Second String Leather Company. Unfortunately, we were not able to get our first guest on the phone quite yet, but hopefully we will get him on later in the show. But first, we will talk about, let's start off with
1: something a little bit funny. Funny. Peculiar? Well, well, well it's funny. People Enigmatic? Are, people Possibly. are probably looking at our ticket right now, they see it coming up like, which one's funny? Listen. Both are funny if you really have an awful sense of humor. Bing. Well, because I just want to completely arrazen the kid here. Uh, I, you're going to have to let me go on this one. On that one.
0: Well, yeah, we'll talk. Well, um, we'll, 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 I'll let you go for a bit.
1: But then... I won't, I won't let you go for too long. I'll let you go for a bit. Well, yeah, we have, we have Chris King coming up at 8 o'clock. So we do have a certain time limit on that. We do, we do. But the Dallas Stars... The Dallas Stars... Dallas, Stars, those guys. They do it more neon in Texas. They, like, okay, I can't, obviously, once again, similar to what we did last week, Alex, I can't put the pictures on the video yet because, unfortunately, media relations people are tough to get a hold of here in today's world, even though not many people are working right now. But regardless, just go on the Google, look up new Dallas Stars jersey, and you'll,
0: you'll be it. embarrassed. Just to describe. Okay, it. hold on. Just to describe okay. it. Describe so, it first, so we, that way so ever, we can so
1: compare it to that the the bull one that Marty Turco got schooled with Mark. Uh, oh my We'll get uh, we'll do that comparison in a second, but explain so it just, to the just, poor people in good. Very, give them a visual, Alex. Give them on a visual on what kind of absolute slime garbage this is. So it is a black background jersey. All this prep for it to with Alex.
0: an assortment of lined, excuse me, accent lines. And uh, of which they are neon green, by the way, yep, and they also have as the main logo on the jersey, they have the outline of Texas with the Dallas stars logo, so the capital D with the stars the star like, I guess legs coming off it, if you want right. to call it that, um, as their main logo, and the backs on the backs of the jerseys, they have the numbers with. Neon green outline, black interior, and neon green letters for the names. This is an ugly jersey.
1: This is an awful jersey, Alex.
0: This is an ugly jersey. I don't like it.
1: I don't. I don't think. I don't think they heard me correctly. Well, okay. Here's when a... I
0: said they need to go how back much to are the sh- black. How much are
1: these jerseys? sweaters going for, Alex? Um, Hundred and seventy dollars. That's a special. Di- Wait, hold on. Hold on. So you're telling me that what's the difference between this Jamie Ben jersey and Alex Radilov? Well, I this know is why. probably
0: straight from NHL Shop, and another one was probably from a third party.
1: Well, no, go back. I thought you said both said NHL Shop. Go back. I didn't say that they. So had, look, were... that one's Shop NHL Men's Adidas, two hundred twenty-five bucks for Jamie Ben, and then Alex. Oh, okay, so that's a Fanatics branded one. That's why. I'm about to say you're telling me Jamie Ben is well. Worth no, more? no, here, no.
0: There's authentic player jerseys, and there are the, you know, like. What are they called? Just like the replicas. replicas. Yeah, the replica. Well, interviews.
1: the Fanatics brand is a slightly lesser brand, which is I get it, and it's what we buy because we're bro, we are B R O K E Alex. What do you mean
0: Fanatics is a lesser brand?
1: Well, the brand like it's lesser F- material. Fana- Fanatics is what it's
0: like one of the big things for the NHL shop.
1: No, the the brand's big. The the brand the Fanatics brand for like the shopping's fine, but like the Fanatics brand is like your Walmart brand. Your your. You know your great value brand. You not know? really. I mean, okay, it's not what they wear on the ice. That's what I mean. Well, no, it's not. They wear authentic. Adidas. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what I mean, Alex. It's like you can either get you can either get Mountain Dew or Mellow Yellow. You'd rather get Mountain Dew, but if Mellow Yellow is cheaper, you get the Mellow Yellow. No, if you if we're going by your okay, fine, you're right. Your thing, it'd we be can either get my ma- we can get Coca Cola or we can get Meyer Encore Cola or RC Cola, is that better? They just L- have
0: Meyer Cola.
1: It's called Encore. I have a two-liter. It's it's for Cooper whenever he comes over. Cause oh. He drinks pop. Okay. He drinks he for some reason he like drinks, hey, he, w- he drinks soda pop. He drinks soda. So, yeah, the way he says soda pop makes me want to smack him. What soda pop? Is that uh, I, no Like it's like soda pop. Soda pop. Soda pop. Soda, soda, pop. soda pop. He's got that. I, he he's got that Iowan thing where I just I just want just to just just leave him alone. I can't leave him alone. But I mean, I gotta watch out for the kids sometimes.
0: Just because the jersey's ugly doesn't mean that Shop NHL is gonna make it any less more as expensive than all the other jerseys. So
1: here's that being said. Before we start, good God! Before we start comparing how bad it was compared to the old 2000s one, Uh, I was disappointed, Alex, because they they kept showing the black and this little neon tint little thing. All this prep, all this hype for. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. It's going to be cool. i going to be psyched because you want to know why, Alex? I was thinking, guess what they're doing, Alex? They're going back to the old, early 90s, the mid-90s one, the one that the North Stars left with and Dallas took over. The black with the white with the with the Texas state low flat or the Texas with the star in the middle. I'm like, that's what they're going to do. It's going to be cool. It's going to be real retro. Nope. They ruined it again. Again. See?
0: Here's here's the final point that I'll make on this, and this is this will be the hill that I die on. The hill that did, I... did did we did we expect anything better from Dallas? You know, I'm just saying, great goal well, song. Just, I'm just saying, hold on, After, fun goaltender. Hold, let me I'm, let me just, let me go here. For a second. They had the constellation jersey, so the bull jersey that you're talking about. That was just
1: they had the constellation jersey. That's so that's what they're calling it. That's what it is called, the uh, constellation. The one that poor Mari Turco got his jock strap ripped off and thrown across the yes, state thank, of Texas thank by you, Pavel Datsuk. They were the team
0: that originated and made it their like regular jersey to have the word Dallas Stars. Oh, sorry, I was with gonna... the numbers on the front, like the small numbers, as their main jersey. So basically, a basketball jersey on hockey
1: Ace. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me! Oh no! Oh my gosh! I caught these things, guys! It's all over. Just put a big COVID sign right across the screen.
0: Basically, I mean, you have the tech to do it. Do it. Um, I don't think so do they that had quickly. that. I do that quickly. Not and not. then they went to this weird green. That I personally don't like. They're, they're current jerseys.
1: The ones that look like Michigan State, yeah. But actually, no, Michigan State's darker.
0: No Michigan, no, Michigan State's this is f- like far this, darker. This is no. like
1: 90s Michigan State. Remember like Jason Wynn, the, the striped ones, the Ryan Miller yes. jerseys? That Michigan State color. Disgusting. Yes.
0: No, th- this is snot green. And they decided to basically take that color, throw it on some steroids.
1: Throw it on some some huge saturation. Put, it, put, in, some, put ta- in some. Take that huge saturation level and just crank that sucker white. <laughs> Cracked open some
0: glow, glow sticks. sticks and then put it into the ink that they use for the jerseys.
1: Alex, yeah, it's uh, well, I guess yeah for the thread, yeah. Okay, or ink yeah, dye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ink uh, dye, yeah. yes. And okay, the okay. jersey has okay. it. And guess what? It turned into crap. So I don't like it. I, it's just I what's like it. listen and like I said before. I think we talked about this. This is not a ploy for hey, let's just have a different jersey. This is straight up. Hey, we need to make money. <laughs> people and people. People used to buy those blacked-out Red Wings jerseys, the blacked-out cap, like the what, the, what were they called, the RBK Edge jerseys? Yeah. The ice jerseys, whatever. The jerseys that they should have wore. That's what people, and that's what this looks like, except neon, with, with neon tint. That's literally oh, what yeah. it is. So, like, that was just a yeah. ploy to make money. Here's the difference. They're going to make these guys wear them on the ice. Yes. You're going to have, Alex, there will be a game this year. I want it to happen just to show how stupid it is. When Tampa, if, Tam, if they do any inter-conference inter- games, I want Dallas to play Tampa. Tampa to wear those stupid blackout jerseys and Dallas to wear their stupid blackout jerseys. And you're going to tell the team which one it is because one will have neon green, one will have gray. I want that to happen just to show how stupid this is.
0: I'm just saying, folks, not everybody can be the Carolina Hurricanes.
1: Why, Alex? Why? Why can't they all be the Carolina Hurricanes? What the Carolina- they're not
0: as fun as the Carolina Hurricanes.
1: Because they all just, you know, we got a sweater. Woo! We got a, we got a GM or an owner that doesn't like this one color sweater, so we're only going to wear one sweater. Woo! We got black sweaters sometimes. Four. Woo! They have four sweaters. They have the white with canes, their usual reds, they the have black. Their, they have their usual reds, the white
0: with canes, the black, and then the white with the Carolina Hurricanes logo on. No, they don't have that anymore. Yes, they do. They don't wear that anymore. It's four. They don't wear that one It's anymore. an alternate. It's gone now. It's an alternate.
1: Alex, and it's so an far alternate. alternate. You have to click, when you're playing NHL, you have to click like five times to get to. You have to get past like the hockey fights, cancer sweater, the military sweater, and the created weird looking sweater that they Well, because you
0: go backwards way.
1: I go backwards. Also, I can go back, we, backwards. You, you way? Go, but you go the back way. I go backwards way? You go backwards. You do the back way. Yeah. I go back asswards? Yeah. Back way. Oh boy. I clicked on Twitter and I. it was a bad decision to make. Yeah, you can't. Don't well, click on Twitter. I'm just seeing if there's something comes up. Actually, you you are, are. I'm a sucker for breaking news. You, you know are this. the
0: day before the United States presidential election. Slash oh,
1: you don't think I know that? I only. I'm only elections. a news anchor in my other time. My other job. I'm only. I only get to talk about this stuff all day. It's fine. I'm pulling a 12-hour shift tomorrow night. It's great. It's fine. Trust me, we're ready for Grand Rapids to get
0: torn apart all again. Grand Rapids isn't though. Businesses haven't boarded Actually, some of the businesses have boarded up yet.
1: They sh- there well, There's, yeah, it's, <laughs> I think Denver's, I saw Denver's got a pretty good setup going.
0: All right. I've seen that there are three major cities that like widespread, the, almost the entire city is boarded up, and that's Washington, D.C., for obvious reasons. Really? New York City and Philly.
1: Denver was another one. so four so Den- four now.
0: Denver there's been that some- we can
1: count. It's funny because when we went there in August, there were still some places that were boarded up and apparently those places have still been boarded up. I guess it's not a bad thing to look at hey, wait till this thing's over before you actually put windows back. over in. when
0: when will this be over Tyler
1: Alex, by the time the OHL starts with checking, <laughs> that's when it'll be over. <laughs> that's when it'll be over. <laughs> okay, I can get down with that um, but Alex, there's no sickness here. Get, can't get down with the sickness because get up, beep, you're down get down with, with the, the sickness. sickness. Your mother. Okay, no, nope, can't do that.
0: No, can't do that. FCC uh,
1: rules. But what we
0: can do? What can we do, Alex? Is we can talk about something. Well,
1: well you know, we're on we're on
0: uh, racy topics.
1: Are we? Oh, so we are. Oh, are we Alex, we forgot to mention Rick Bonus. Rick, what about him? Rick Bonus is staying with the Dallas Stars. Oh yeah, now, that's the news from this past week. It was, it was a little bit. Oh, earlier. my apologies. The other news that happened in Dallas. Hey, the good news that happened in Dallas. Not these sweaters. So, Rick Bonus, quickly before we get to the other part of our subject here or next topic, excuse me. Rick Bonus is staying with the Dallas Stars. They ripped the interim tag off. He is the official head coach, and I don't see why not, Alex. He was able. I mean, the team. He went. He went twenty thirteen and five since taking over in December when Jim Montgomery stepped aside. I mean, I, it was. It was a mutual parting with that, with Jim Montgomery. We learned later, it was obviously, for good reasons. I, I like it because he was able to get the team to play for him. They were not bad before he, before he took over. It was just, you know, he was able to keep them focused because even when a team's good and there's a coaching change of any kind, sometimes that can really put a fret in a team, Alex. It can really kind of make them all sorts of maybe a little bit of rattled, get them out of sorts, they fall apart. But he was able to keep them on course. They finished third in the Central Division, they make it to the Stanley Cup finals, my goodness' sake and then again, you had a really hot goaltender, and you had Joel Ranta, and well, they we had a couple of other guys. He had Dennis Kiriana, but regardless, he was able to get them to play at their best when they needed it most, and that's why I think that's what you need in a coach. You need a coach that can do that, especially in the playoffs, especially with everything going on. He was able to keep that team focused, and he even came out and said how tough it was for those guys to be stuck in a bubble and play hockey. He was able to make sure, hey, guys, let's get through this. We can do this, and dang near Alex, they were two wins away from doing it, so why not give him another shot, you know? I think he signed a 3-year extension. Uh, let me look here real quick. It's you don't have anything
0: listed, so we'll have to check the uh, hockey the
1: Well, cuz here's the, the hockey students, And that's the one the thing hockey about hockey people's, And that's the one thing about Rick Bonus, Alex. Rick Bonus did not It wasn't like he was, you know, a guy that just got thrown into the team. He was already assistant coach.
0: Right. I mean it, so yeah, so he he does have that background with the team and obviously the the players trust him. So I think this was a, a pretty obvious choice. Um Yeah, uh, kinda kinda similar to how when the Toronto Maple Leafs decided to go with Sheldon Keefe. Um that was kind of a Maybe, it wasn't, just maybe it wasn't.
1: Maybe there's was another coach that got signed to a three-year deal. There's probably one of the earlier ones that got signed. Maybe, but nevertheless, uh, 2013
0: and five regular season record uh, after taking over in December. Rick Bonus had uh,
1: uh, they had 12 wins in the playoff. 12 and that no 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 they had, robin, they had 14, right? 14 in the regular playoffs. and I think they only won once because they beat St. Louis in the round robin. Yes. No, yeah, in the in the qualifying or the, yeah, the round robin they beat St. Louis cuz St. Louis remember finished fourth and that's why they got Vancouver. So. Okay. Right? Yes. I think so. I don't yeah, remember anymore. It was so long ago. It's now it seems like it was so long ago the playoffs were. I I just I I try to figure it out. I'm like, what? It's been a hot second. It has been a real hot second. So, I but Dallas, good for them. They did it. They got their thing. They did they did it right and they have a coach that I think they can they can run with. So, I really like to see what I really like to see what they can do. Just make sure you limit. The, if they only play 50 games, Alex, let's make sure they play 49 of them with their regular sweaters and just one with their bad sweaters. I know they're allowing fans down there in Texas, but not even they want to see that, Alex. Come on now. Probably not. Well, I mean,
0: we'll have to talk to some Dallas people and see what they have to say about it. You're me. right,
1: Alex. We're going to drive down to Dallas. We'll mask up. We'll go on the streets with our little camcorder hey. we got here. We'll go with our mics and start asking people, Hello! We are nobody, but we are like hockey people. Are you Dude, a Dallas?
0: I'm not driving down to Texas. I'll fly.
1: We're not dr- Okay, we won't drive. Fine, we won't drive. We'll, we'll, fly. Fly. we'll fly. We'll fly. We'll fly. We're flying. We're definitely flying. We're
0: southwest. we're
1: definitely flying Southwest. Though. Fly- I'm sorry.
0: Why are you paying for it? <laughs> Can we get one of those like really junky airliners where it's just like a two I'm engine, not I am engine not, plane. I'm not you have to refuel like five, five times. Want, like Allegiant
1: or Spirit. Never fly Spirit. That's one thing I've heard. Never fly Spirit. Allegiant on a good day, but you never know when that is, obviously, anymore.
0: I don't know. Southwest. Okay, at at least it's not as bad as United. United has a a very, very bad rap.
1: United has a bad rap with their people. Flying-wise, they're fine. American Airlines is okay. No, 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 I mean, mean like, customer service-wise. Oh, that's what I'm saying, yeah. I... I've been to American Airlines. I've flown twice. We That's where we went to. We went to Denver this past year. That's where we did our honeymoon. I liked them. Now, if, you got to get the good ones. Though. You got to get the planes that actually have the screens that are jammed into the seat in front of you, like the newer ones. Because if not, then it's just a miserable trip. Yeah. It's, it's just a normal trip. Lufthansa
0: as- had that. What? Lufthansa had that when we, when I went to Europe. Oh, yeah. The, well, enti- we, the we entire flight over the Atlantic. I was just watching yeah. the movies. Uh, I had Imitation Game, Moneyball.
1: Oh, uh. I was set When we flew down to Jamaica, we had those. And let me tell you, I could have watched movies. they like, doctor, sleep, or whatever. What did I do, Alex? You watched hockey, didn't you? I didn't watch hockey. I could have done that. Because the screen's about this size, right? On my laptop that you see right here. I was yeah, playing about, Ang- about 15 inches. I was playing Angry Birds. <laughs> you're
0: <laughs> dumb. For three hours. Oh my I'm god, playing. you're so I, dumb.
1: I almost beat the entire game in one sitting. Okay. I was almost, I was slightly proud of myself. Okay, let's, let, let's talk about some other Angry Birds here. Wow. Well, Eh. angry oh. people. How oh, about that? yeah, fighting hawks. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Anger birds. Uh, so if you have
0: heard, you already know what we're about to talk
1: about. Well, we didn't talk about it. The news broke before last week's show, but we had such a packed show, and I was going to mention it at the end of the show after I talked with Tay Harris. But we
0: then, needed to take some extra time with this one, and we also, we also needed to I let was gonna, some extra
1: news come out. But I was, I was going to talk about it, but then Joey Moss passed away in the middle of the show, so that kind of took precedent for me. Right, And so that's why we left that off. So I'm glad you're here for it. So you and I can both talk about it, not just me.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, so let's talk about it. Uh, the Mitch Miller story, um, funny enough with, with one of our potential guests, whether or not we can get him on the show, uh, player that used to play in the USHL for
1: Tri-City, the Storm. For for the sake of it, I won't ask him about it because for him... Oh, well, we're not going to talk to him
0: about it. Absolutely not. No, I don't think that's really... uh, I don't think he's in a position to have an opinion on it.
1: Correct. Because I think it's so... It's past. I'll give my take on it here in a second, but I don't think Tom has a thing on that. So... Let's go ahead.
0: So how the story goes is that... um, Mitch Miller, when Mitchell H. Miller. This I'm was sure H. Miller. On that one again. This was in 2016. Um, he was he testified in court that, or he admit admitted in court that he had uh, intimidated a disabled black classmate by the name of Isaiah Meyer Crothers, um, saying, calling him the N-word, saying that he was chocolate, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, Lots of
1: things that if I I would love for him to say in public to people, but I guess that there. Well,
0: was- if he did, I'm sure he would definitely not be um, feeling very good in the physical manner, well, or I at guess- the very least, be in a, a well at the <sighs> point of verbal abuse, because that is what he did to a disabled. To his disabled That's just black a part. classmate, there's,
1: there's a couple things that were also that he also did that I'm not going to mention on this show, just for the sake of I don't want to get we're that. not going to do it. I'm not going to get. Gonna I don't do want to go to the bad place. No, we don't we're, want. We, follow, we don't. We we almost went there with Carolina Boston. I don't want. In you, the words of NBC, let's stick with the good place. The good place, which is secretly the bad place. That's why we gotta start saying fork and um shiitake Mushroom. Mother mushrooms. Forker. Yes, but anyways, continue, Alex. Uh
0: So. Since this has come out and it's became more public, um, the f- excuse me, the Arizona Coyotes have renounced um, their pick because they drafted because him in they, the fourth round. They drafted him in the
1: fourth round, which, yes. by the way, if you guys remember, because they lost their three picks because of their like recruiting violations, because there were l- pl- players come work out with them. Right. That was their top pick. Yes. Their first pick. Their I guess their big guy this in this draft class was Mitch Miller. Right. So
0: obviously I don't think anybody did their true homework as far as going and doing background checks on these guys, and that, and which that's, I think this is this is something that we're just we're going to have to face especially in the world of sports nowadays just because it's it's very easy especially because in sports it's very publicized with social media things get out quick whether it's rumors, allegations, this kind of stuff. And I think this is probably the f- one of the big first ones if not the first big one I can say in this new era of social media that actions of players that have happened, you know, years ago, what I'm not saying like years and years ago but enough, you know, 2016 to 2020 it's obviously 4 years, actions like that have come to destroy uh potentially destroy careers in the world of sports. Now the f- Arizona Coyotes, like we said, have renounced uh, his pick and his draft rights um, as a player of the Coyotes organization. So he is technically a free agent. I would say um, he you. was he was kicked off the North Dakota hockey team's um, roster. He is not allowed to play there.
1: However, North Dakota did say that he is still allowed to go there as a student because it's by by um, it's by law. But it's a rule that if you are given a scholarship, you at least get the one year of since they're now in the school year, he gets to go to school for one year with his scholarship. Now next year they can take it away. Obviously
0: they can take the scholarship away, but so here's my problem. It's a matter. I don't think it's a matter of whether or not he's not allowed to go to school there
1: before we get to the, the next part of the story here, Alex,
0: right? I will let you go. uh,
1: My thing is this guys. I, I Alex, I'll admit I have done wrongs in my life. Sure. I don't, Never to someone to this extent, and I'm not saying what I did was better. I'm saying I'm. I still. There are things, Alex, in my life that I look back on. And I said that was completely stupid. I like. I look like. I have nowhere a horrible, even close to this though. I get that, but I have a horribly guilty conscience. I feel bad that Dad and I walked out of SmackDown one time because I wanted to go home. I still feel bad about that, and that was like 16 years ago. You're so dumb. I am. I mean, I am as soft as a gosh darn Tootsie Roll pop. Let me tell you, okay. I just. Soft as a to- no, real Fruit Cup. I was trying to do letter kinny there. I messed up, okay? To- the- softer than a real Fruit Cup. Just go let's with just it. Let's just say a pillow. Soft, for the uh,
0: sake of not offending anybody else. Let's just say a pillow. But Tootseril... No. It's, it's that, no, no. Let's say
1: pillow. Say pillow? Let's say pillow. Okay. Soft is this mesh thing that I've been playing with for the last hour. That's foam, buddy. Foam. Yeah. Soft as this foam. I... <sighs> I feel bad for things I did. There, there's a friend in my group, my high school friend group, that I, I'm i not saying I picked on, but I neglected for a long time. But nowadays, I look back, I'm like, that was immature of me, that was stupid of me, and I learned from it. Now, yes, there are people out there that are saying, well, this kid should get a second chance. This kid deserves a second chance. Everyone deserves a second chance in life. This kid has gone on for the last four years after testifying in court without an actual apology. I have apologized to the people that I have been able to contact and reach out and say, hey, man, Or, hey, girl, I apologize. I am sorry for what I did. And we've been able to work it out because I came out and apologized. This kid has never had the gall or the ability. He has has the gall, Alex, to not apologize, to not feel bad for what he's done. And that's the big problem in all this. First, everyone's like, Arizona's like, okay, we're going to work with them. We want to make sure everyone can get involved. We want to make sure this kid can progress. There's no pot, like the end of the leagues and the, the team after all the backlash, they seem like this kid's not actually going to apologize. This kid's not going to make the steps to go forward to become a better person. And so I'm like, you know what? We got to renounce the pick. We have to do what's necessary. And North Dakota, the president, it's not just the hockey team. The school got involved, Alex, because this kid hasn't decided to come out and say, Hey, you know what? What I did was wrong. And I apologize. didn't reach out to the kid. Like the only reason why we found out about the story was because Isaiah and his family reached out and said, Hey, I know this kid because this is what happened to me when I was a kid, and he is, and this kid's allowed to pursue his dream when he that poor kid has been scarred for probably the rest of his life.
0: Right, and I mean, especially just just a quick side note here. This is North Dakota, a team that recently renamed themselves, and a a college that has renamed themselves. The nickname because of the Fighting Sioux. Remember they that? used to be the Fighting Sioux. Now they are the Fighting Hawks. So obviously they are pushing to be a progressive college athletic program however so they they want to do everything right they want to be th- on the right side of history they want to be you know accepting of all individuals but not accepting of individuals like this now i could we could personally we could just go on and talk about the slash hockey reddit thread of this and we could just go into you know this is a learned trait and these are you know blah 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 we're not going to get into that. No. Because no. I'm not going to tell you how to raise your kids, but I can judge them based on their actions. This is not acceptable by any means necessary. I don't. I think in most cases, people can agree on this, that it's right for people to try to help others that have done wrongs in the past and get, help them towards going into a brighter future. But I don't think that in this case... That they should be able to. Oh. Just, we have a we have a guest. We have a guest.
1: On. We have a guest. Um, we'll get into we'll get, get more later. into Mitch Miller here in just a second.
0: Stop.
1: And ladies and gentlemen, I'm hey. pleased to welcome my guest now, or our guest now at this time. He is the president and commissioner of the United States Hockey League. He has been president for multiple franchises in the AHL. He's also We'll help revive the Sioux Falls Stampede out there in the USHL. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Tom Garrity. Tom, how are you doing today, sir? Good. What's going on, guys? Hey, uh, let's say we're we're excited to have you on here because we were just talking about um, a former player in the league. We we're talking about Mitch Miller, but we won't worry about getting to that. How are you doing today? How how is uh, how is life out there in Sioux Falls?
3: I don't live in Sioux Falls. I live actually in the Twin Cities.
2: Oh, you moved oh, back to Twin Cities. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I live in the Twin Cities and uh, run the league. Uh, the league office uh, is based out of Chicago, but because of COVID, everyone's kind of working remotely. And I've always been based out of the Twin Cities since I took over as the commissioner.
1: Oh, Okay, that's that's my fault, man. I thought I thought I had that one on there. Are you still involved with the with the Sioux Falls baseball team? There, are you still involved with that? Yeah. Team? Okay.
3: Yep, yep. I'm still one of the owners of the baseball team
1: there. Yep. Sure am. Yep. So Tom, I've yep. before we get into the USHL in the current state, you've done a lot. I looked up, you know, what your your history, your past experience. You have been all around with multiple sports. You've You've been obviously you've been worked with teams in the NHL. You've been president of a couple of AHL teams. The Cincinnati Mighty Ducks, Alex. That's where that's where Tom was back in the day. You've been part of the National Lacrosse League, part of teams of the NBA. Safe to say, you've been around multiple sports for sure. How has that experience kind of helped you grow as not just you know someone in management, but someone who obviously is well rounded in all things sports?
3: Uh I mean again, I mean I've been doing it for gosh a long time and um I think it's really helped me in a lot of different ways. You know, I've had the good fortune of being a part of some very, very successful organizations and I've worked at, you know, the highest level of of sports with, you know, the Minnesota Wild, the Arizona Coyotes, um, the Houston Astros. Um and I've also worked, you know, in, in the American League and I've worked in junior hockey. And those are equally as good in just different ways, different size, shapes and forms, so to speak. But I've had the good fortune of being a part of some really successful things. I've been a part of some things that have not been successful. And, and you know, and those are you take the good with the bad and you learn as much from those situations as you do from being a part of good things. So I think, you know, just, you know, I've had a I've had a unique opportunity to kind of see sport from a lot of different lenses and a lot of different staff sizes and a lot of different, you know, levels of fan, you know, fan attendance and a lot of different levels of sponsorship interests and a lot of different levels of media interest. So I think overall, that's, that's kind of helped me kind of ebb and flow with what's going on.
0: Yeah. And with all that experience, you've, I've definitely built a great reputation reputation around yourself, but I do have to ask, you know, as someone who, um, for me personally, I'm, you know, starting to get into, you know, sports at a, at a lower level and, you know, going from all these different experiences and working with these high level organizations and within these high level leagues at the professional level, what was the interest, um, going to the junior hockey level and then also helping run the Sioux Falls Stampede in 2013?
3: Well, I was working, um, I was working for the Astros in 2009, 2012, And, um, I, well, I, well, in 2000 and trying to think 2008 or nine, I started my own company. I had worked for the wild and had a couple different positions there. Uh, was the president of the American hockey league team was the president of their indoor lacrosse team. And then I was the VP of sponsorship and suites for the wild. And I decided to start my own company. And my, our largest client was the NBA and then so through through that process, I, I, I then took a position with the Houston Astros, you know, shortly after I kind of opened my doors about a year later because of my time spent in Houston with the uh, with the arrows. Excuse me. I knew people in the market and the, the president for the Astros at the time, Pam Gardner, contacted me and said, hey, we're looking for a senior vice president. And, and I really liked their organization. I love the city of Houston. We were back on the Twin Cities. And so we decided to move back to Houston, and I took that role. And after a couple of years, you know, I kind of thought, ah, you know, I'm a better entrepreneur than I am, kind of a day-to-day sports guy. I've been doing it for a long time. And my buddy was running the Coyotes as the interim president um, during their bankruptcy, looking for an owner. So he had contacted me. So for two years, I commuted back and forth from Phoenix to Minneapolis, which was kind of a drain. And subsequently, during that time, um, some of my former People that I knew, Bob Nagley uh, the third, whose father, Bob Nagley Jr. and himself, they own the Wild. I had worked for him when I was work, you know, uh, was at the Wild. He had contacted me along with a guy named Ryan Schoenborn, who's kind of the godfather of the USHL, yeah. and said, hey, we're looking to buy a couple teams, would you want to invest, and then be our day-to-day operations guy? And that was a baseball hockey combo. And I knew of the USHL. I just didn't know a lot about it. I knew what it was. And I'd seen a game or two here when the Vulcans were in St. Paul yeah. or excuse me, in Minneapolis, they played at Mariucci. And, um, yeah. you know, they said, Hey, would you, you know, the, the teams in Sioux Falls. And I think they thought that might be a deal deal breaker. And uh, my wife was from that area. Oh. So I said, no, I'll do it in a second. And they're like, you you'll move to Sioux Falls for a year or two to get the businesses up and going. And I said, "Yeah, for sure I will." And it was great because her, fam- her her entire family's in that area. So we kept her house in the Twin Cities, but we 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 rented it and then we rented a house in Sioux Falls, and I went through for a little over a year. I got both both teams kind of back up on their feet and then subsequently just did all my work from the Twin Cities. And so that's how I got involved with them. And then, you know, I got, I got involved in investing in the Madison capitals and getting that team started in Madison with Ryan Suter. And then, I don't know, it's been three years now. Um, the, the commissioner decided to step down. They asked me if I do it on an interim basis. I did. They did a search. I don't think they, I think they had a couple guys they wanted to take, but they didn't get the deal done for whatever reason. And they circled back to me and said, Hey, would you like to do it? And I said, sure, why not? Um, but one of the deal points was I wanted to live in the Twin Cities, and I'd commute back and forth to Chicago. And I really spent a lot of time during the season on the road at different venues, different cities, just checking out operations and games. So um, it worked out perfect. It's worked out great.
1: So I, that's that's a great thing because obviously, since because around the time you went over to Sioux Falls, I was still trying to be a I was still trying to be a junior hockey goaltender. I thought <laughs> I was trying out for teams, calling every coach, trying. It yeah, that's not tried. Never did. But I, I wonder, you know, Tom, in your time just simply working with Sioux Falls, since 20, since you joined the club or since you took over operations of the club, how have you seen the league grow since then before you became commissioner?
3: Um I, I you know, again, obviously, um you know, I I that's a good question. I think um I, you know, you started seeing um I think the business has started to to get better on the business side. I mean, the hockey, you know, every year has gotten better. You know, there's a lot of good people before I showed up even as a, uh, as a owner operator in 2012. Um, But I think, you know, since I was in the league before I became commissioner, definitely saw teams putting more emphasis in hockey development, obviously relationship with USA hockey and the national team, the relationship with the national hockey league, um, staffs or staff front offices were getting bigger, uh, more talented people were coming into the league, which, you know, benefited the league from a business side of it. Um, good hockey people, um, were coming into the league, you know, former division one coaches, you know, coming back into the league. Um, so just, I think, you know, just, it was kind of an evolution that, you know, was a long time, take, you know, a long time making, but, you know, just collectively on the front office in the in the hockey side i just really started to see a lot of improvement and and there was a tremendous amount of upside just because of that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like you said, with, with that new success and, you know, bringing in different players and different players that are at the, at that high level, I mean, for us in Grand Rapids with the Muskegon Lumberjacks right around the the bend there, you know, having a player like Sveshnikov being drafted at a, at a high pick in the NHL draft is definitely something that's a great, um, thing to put on the resume of the USHL. Now being tabbed as the ninth president and commissioner of the USHL, um, what did it mean to you, um, not only on a, a professional level, but maybe even a personal level, to be named the man in charge of this this you know, gr- this growing organization and something that is becoming something that's being more of a staple in the hockey world.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean it was it, it was flattering, and it was you know I mean I, I think I had a little bit of an advantage because the guys who you know were making the decision you know we have an executive committee of uh, six owners that basically I report to with the chairman um, being, uh, you know, my boss and, and, you know, and I had the good fortune of working with all these guys. So, you know, for a long time, you know, I sat in meetings with them and, and um, competed against them and, you know, had to negotiate with them from a variety of different issues during the year. And um, so I had a little bit of running head start. understood the league, understood where, you know, there were some some really good opportunities. I understood where there were some potential flaws. And I think that, um, you know, getting asked to take over the league was extremely flattering and humbling. And it was also, you know, quite an undertaking. And I knew I was going to get myself into a lot. I had no idea what I was going to face with this current curtain, curtain situation with COVID. Obviously, no one did. But um I definitely knew it was the picnic, you know, the personalities that I had already dealt with, the good the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, everyone gets along, but sometimes you had some scrapes with guys over just simple business stuff. Um so you yeah. know, I kinda knew I think where everybody stood. I understood where teams were strong, that where teams were not as strong. Um, and, you know, I think um, you know, I was excited and, and taking, taking the job and, you know, it's been pretty much everything I thought it was going to be, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, every, everything I thought it was going to be was pretty much what it's been. So, yeah. um, I can't, uh, I can't uh, complain. And I'm, I'm thankful that I wasn't given the job.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure, Tom, from, from just, just saying right off the top here, I'm pretty sure we're not going to give you as much flack as we've given Gary Bettman. So you're one of our favorite commissioners here on on the Cule oh, Show. Oh, good.
3: That's yeah, good. Well, well, give me some time. You'll, you'll probably do that sooner or later, but that's
1: that's good. But I, I will say this, the way the USHL has handled this pandemic is now we move right into the present. It, you know. We kind of figured when, when March came around, when everything started to fall, and because we work over here at Davenport University, we were right in the thick of it with an NCAA program. We kind of figured, you know, everything's going to fall apart. And the USHL was one of the first hockey leagues, one of the first notable ones that shut down the season's operations, at least canceled the season. Yep. How tough yep. of a decision that was? Obviously, it was an inevitable decision with everything going on. How tough was it was for you and for the rest of the league to have to cancel the rest of the 2019 2020 season?
3: Well, it was pretty. It was pretty interesting because, at the time, I'm trying to think. i It was in March, and I had gone down to an NHL summit, um, and all the commissioners in the North American leagues. You know, the CHL and our league, and American Hockey League, and East Coast League, and everybody, College Hockey Inc, and all the basically people involved with hockey from a junior collegiate and and um professional uh uh, position were invited to this summit for a couple days down in florida i had gone down there midweek and i had invited my family to meet me on friday for spring break right so i have a daughter who's in college and then my family came down and met us on friday so on tuesday or wednesday we were sitting there just discussing you know uh COVID and what's going on and what do you know and you know, what are you hearing? And everyone was still kind of like, oh, well, we're keeping, you know, our eyes and ears open and wondering what, what may or may not happen. And I think by Sunday we were canceling our season. Oh, geez. okay So, I mean, it went from, you know, it started, the chain started with the NBA. Yep. And then, you know, so I had gone to the, Panthers-Bruins game on Friday, ni- no, Thursday night. And and by Sunday, I was having an emergency board call at 10 o'clock at night, Jeez. you know, canceling our season. Yeah. Wow, so, so it was super surreal and it was super quick. But I guess what really came down to what the decision was, um, it was such a scary thing and it's still a scary thing. And the thing that I was very uh, excited – and, and not, not excited, that's the wrong word. The thing that I was extremely impressed by was, was the owners weren't up talking about lost revenues and this, that, and the other thing. Everybody just wanted to do what was right for the players. That, and everybody wanted to do what's right for their staffs and their fans. And I think everybody was so uncertain about what was going to happen that there just, they just seemed like no, no reason to even – try to postpone it and, you know, see if we could start up again in a month or two months, which in you know, retrospect, you know, the decision we made was on the money. And so, you know, we, we shut her down in March, canceled the playoffs, and we just wanted to make sure that all these kids could get, you know, get back to their families. And, and, and then we started planning on, okay, what next? So we've been spending ever since that time, you know, we've been spending, gee whiz, so, so much time on just getting ready for, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, I say that we are going to, we are going to start on Thursday, um, you know, knocking wood, but, you know, I mean, think about the fact that we're going to open our season on, on Thursday, um, is quite a testament to kind of the journey that we've been on. And a lot of people put a lot of time and effort into it. And, you know we're going to have some bumps and bruises along the way and some you know some starts and some pauses potentially and i think we're as prepared as we can be and we try to get better and better on it every day but there's just no way we we know what tomorrow could bring right so we're just doing the best we can right now and for for at least for the time being we're going to we're going to start playing hockey and i hope we can play the whole remainder of the year
1: yeah that that's something Tom that I've, I've wondered about because we just, we recently talked about the Ontario hockey league and how they're starting in February. And then the minister of sports, not allowed him to hit whatever the AHL starting in February. All these leagues are starting later and later and later college hockey included, obviously a couple conferences are starting later this month. Why did the USHL, what, what obviously we, obviously you guys, like you said, you've been thinking about it all off season. What kind of all came together for a November start date for this league?
3: Well, we we, we've been we're really lucky because we have a really strong relationship, as I mentioned earlier, with the National Hockey League, and they've counseled us on a lot of stuff. Um, And then also we have a great relationship with USA Hockey and they've done the same. You know, we've we've been working with an infectious disease specialist out of New York that's been working with the NHL and the NFL. Um, You know, we're not in a bubble, clearly almost the opposite. Um, You know, we've got kids that are billeted and there's all sorts of things that are happening there from family life and just ordinary life that goes on. Um, So, you know, we, you know, we, we put together a lot of protocols, you know, we have a very um, detailed set of protocols. We have a very detailed set of um, um, processes put in place to potentially, postpone a game we're going to try to not cancel any games we're going to try to see if we can you know even the way we scheduled you know we're not playing a full season we're not playing an extended playoff we're trying to leave some time open in the second half of the year that we can move games to if we need to you know um uh, postpone those games so i think we looked at it from an aspect of i think the key, the key things were how do we do this right you know, through intake testing and and doing the testing protocols. How do we, how do we know that, um, you know, by no means do we think we have anything more than anybody else, but we, you know, we, you know, just in pure consultation with um, our resources, our, our teams, their doctors, their communities, their civic leaders, their state leaders, you know, we felt comfortable enough to be able to do this and see how it goes with the full intention that we may have to make adjustments along the way for safety reasons or, um, um, you know, any other issues that may arise, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is, is I think compared to, um, you know, we, we felt an obligation for the kids to play, you know, we wanted the kids to play and have an opportunity to play, um, you know, hearing from the kids that are playing, they're excited to be back and their parents. We're excited to be able to play. Um, and, and like I said, so there are a lot of moving pieces on it. Um, again, you know, we, we, um, you know, we don't need to sell 5,000 tickets a night to make it worthwhile for the owners to, 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 to go into this. Our businesses aren't, um, you know, nearly as, um, expensive as an NHL business or an American hockey league business or even an East coast league where, you know, you got a, a heck of a lot more operating, um, expense tied to the business so there are some little nuances within our league that i think we felt that we could go in you know if we keep the players safe have enough capacity so people can sell tickets do all the things they need to do um, to make sure the fans are safe and their staffs are safe we know we felt like we should definitely give this a shot and we'll monitor it every day and if things change we'll make the appropriate decisions to do what's necessary to keep people safe
0: Yeah, and honestly, when you're when you're thinking about this, especially with a league um, such as yours where you do have a lot of back-to-back games, um, three three game weekends, or where you have you know a Thursday, a Friday, and a Saturday game, um, it's definitely something that you're going to have to look forward to, especially when you're doing you know cancellations. Like that um and especially you know for for me on a personal note uh, you know when i worked uh with the whitecaps and the milb when you have these teams where they kind of schedule everything out on a you know yep. you have a, a back-to-back basis do you do you have any sort of specifics that you could share with us on something similar to what minor league baseball does where they'll do um something along the lines of two shortened games in a day uh. would, would you consider something like that within the season to kind of recoup some of the lost time
3: yeah i mean that's actually not a bad idea um the answer is no that hasn't been discussed yet but i think you know we'll have to kind of like i said what we did with our scheduling this year um and we know i'm used to that because the interesting thing is you know the baseball league that i'm a baseball team that i'm a part owner of we played this summer you know there were six of the 12 teams played Mm -hmm. and we played and you know we we you know, we hosted Saint Paul for a month and then they got back into their building and out of the six teams, you know, we had three that were hosting and and basically at the end of the year all five five of the six could play at their home venues with Winnipeg still having to be a a, a visitor to Fargo. And you know, we had situations like that where he could play two seven inning games, right? Where we right. run it we ran into a couple of things. And hockey it's a little bit more difficult just because of you know, um, you know, to your point, it, it, it's not always a perfect like Friday, Saturday, Dubuque, and then Sunday somewhere else. Sometimes it's Friday and Dubuque, Saturday in Chicago, and Sunday back in Dubuque. So um sometimes logistically, it just and, and again, I, I don't even know um, you know it's 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 really an interesting concept and you know, um it's something to think about down the road. I think well, how we've looked at it now is when we run into situations like that, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to have pieces of the schedule laid out where we can bring, bring those games back in. And we went to a regional matrix this year, which we hadn't done in the past. So essentially the teams are playing each other within a regional footprint. And before, you know, you'd have Youngstown playing Sioux Falls and you'd have everybody playing everybody. And we have some crossover, but it's all tied to ge- geography. So this year we're really trying to keep the kids, you know, shorter trips you know the back-to-backs are good because they're not jumping on buses and doing that you know friday here saturday here sunday here i mean in the past i've seen some pretty crazy travel but um i think the way we're trying to approach it is anything that we run into we'll just have to try to make up during the week or during some some you know some breaks that we've already identified january february march
1: Right, and that's that's going to be something that's really interesting to see how it's going to do. Because I looked at the lumberjack schedule, because I know Scott Bradford, the broadcaster, really well, and I've seen that it seems like just about every other weekend. But you know what, what Tom? It's kind of a tough question here. What is and obviously because we you know the season starts this upcoming weekend, obviously it's going to go by a week by week basis with this coronavirus kind of infecting not just hockey but all the sports. You saw it with Major League Baseball, saw it with the NFL, them rescheduling games. What is the, like it's kind of putting you on the spot here, but what is the worst case scenario for this league? When, when, what is the end goal? Do you want to try to get as far as you can? Or is it, I mean, I guess, when do you want, how long do you want this? To, I mean, obviously you want to have a champion at the end of the year. You want to crown the Clark cup champion,
2: mm-hmm. but yep.
1: what is the worst case scenario for this league? Well, I mean, the worst
3: case scenario would be, you know, getting people sacked. Right. And, and, you know, so, and we're, we're looking at everything that every game we play is a blessing and that, you know, if, you know, we you know that we're back in training camps and these kids are playing in October, you know, we're, we feel very fortunate and blessed that we are able to do that, but we're not going to do anything. um, And it's, it's, it's actually not even, I mean, it's a tough question. It's a fair question, but I'm not looking for anything other than in a perfect world, I'd put it, you know, that we'd finish the season and that we'd have a champion. But in a real realistic world, if that doesn't happen, I I wouldn't view that as a worst case scenario. I'd view it as, you know, we all went into it with the best intentions. And if we had to stop or not have that happen, a champion, we're going to make that decision because we felt as a league that we, we need to protect our players and our fans and our staffs. And I don't think that's ever going to ever outweigh, you know, um, having a champion, if that makes any sense.
1: That, yeah, you that know, makes...
3: We're, yeah, we're never going to be sitting there saying we should be doing this because, you know, hey, we are we need to do this or we're going to look stupid if we do this. It's always going to be about, hey, if we, if we get to a worst case scenario to answer the question where, hey, the government's come in and said you guys have to shut down or we have some, you know, breakout or something where, you know, multiple teams are at risk. And we have to make that decision. We'll make that decision because it's just the right thing to do.
0: Right. Right. So with with that in mind, um, obviously you don't want to, you know, delay things as much as possible, um, especially with the concern of the players in mind, and especially their billet families, their own families, if they're able to live with them at times. Um, do you have like a somewhat, you know, guesstimate on what an end date would be possibly of like when when would be the last game of this upcoming season that you could see played? You know, do you see do you see it going into the summer? Do you see it
3: ending yeah. sometime in April? Yeah, well we're hoping to finish. So what we did was okay, so what we did was that we looked at this as we want to play as many games as we can and and as uh, much for the teams and their fans as it is for the players, right? that's part of, you know, their journey is the development, right? Their journey is the, you know, the, you know, the ultimately getting drafted or committing to, you know, first, you know, obviously going to play college, but, you know, some of these like kids are going to be drafted. So, you know, that, that's part of, you know, what we're trying to do, but in the same vein, we didn't want to be trying to just, you know, get 60 games in and have this playoff format. And then we finish up at the end of June or July. So when we were going through this whole process of, you know, schedule, we had like 20 different variations of our schedule over the course of the last four or five months. You guys right. can imagine how many things we've looked at.
0: Oh, absolutely.
3: So we so we looked at, okay, if we start in November, could we play 60 and finish in, you know, the end of, you know, the end of May and yeah, geez, you, had, you know, more four and fives, more three and threes, you know, that's not good for anybody. You know, you look at all those things and it was like, okay, what, what if we started in December? What if we started in January? So we went through all these different scenarios. And I think ultimately the way we 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 picked November was, you know, um, we felt comfortable with our return to play protocols. We felt comfortable with the cities and the and the in the governance that was in each city and state. We felt comfortable with the owners that were ready to do this and their medical staffs. We felt that we were capable of doing it. And then we looked at it from an aspect of saying, you know let's let's finish, let's not extend this thing. Let's try to finish. You know, middle of April, have our playoffs done somewhere in the middle of April and then be done for the year and move on, you know, and hopefully go into the following year and have, you know, more, you know, normalcy, if you want to call it that way, you know, extending it. You know, we do have some wiggle room again, back if we run into some issues this year, we could extend it. But I think anything later than May really starts to be a troublesome situation for us for a lot of different
1: reasons. Right.
3: You know, the, the, the truth is, is that. You know, these kids are, you know, um, that's a long, I mean, our season right now is, you know, some argue is too long to begin with, and that's debatable. <laughs> but I also think that then you start getting, you start getting into the summer, you know, these kids, some of these kids will be moving on and going to college and things of that nature. And um, and quite frankly, from a, a fan interest level, you know, our playoffs are kind of hit or miss, you know, I'm, I'm just being real. You know, um, we have some teams that draw really well in the playoffs and we have other teams that, for un- for, you know, unfortunately don't. So, you know, you get into baseball being played and, you know, at the time when we put our schedule together, football was looking at doing spring. Right. Yeah. And in, in states, we're looking at doing fall sports in the spring. And now some of that stuff has changed. You know, Big Ten and Pac-12 came back and, you know, all these things going on. So the information we had at the time was, let's start this thing in November which was before the rest of the league, because, you know, we, you know, again, we we don't think we're better than them or we have something that we know more than they do. We just looked at it from our situation and and um and we said, you know what, let's not drag this thing out into the summer and um and let's get to let, let's try to finish like we normally would have and let's try to finish our playoffs when we normally would have. And I think that that's going to be our plan. And the only way that gets extended would be a week or two. Right. And that would be based on having to move some games in the second, in the back end of April and our playoffs would start a bit a little bit later, but um, that would all have to be, again, you know, we'll, we'll take those things as they come up.
1: Yeah. I, I I will admit this, Tom, you are in a position that Alex and I, we're glad we're interviewing you because you probably have one of the toughest jobs. I mean, anyone, any commissioner, any president of any league, has is probably like sitting there, like every week. It's all right. Are we okay? We're good. We're all right. Let's get another week because it just seems like it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long season because you're just gonna have to be so as everything's gonna be so microscopic at this point that you have to be so sure of it. So Tom, I I, I don't envy you whatsoever. And it's and the way it looks right now, it seems like the USHL is in a good spot. So we're excited that the USHL is starting up this weekend.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I am too. And and like I said, I mean, we're we're being realistic and. I think we're looking at it as a, you know, um, we know things could change in a day, right? And that's the truth. Like yeah. I said earlier when I was telling you about how I went from just kind of coffee talk going, what do you guys know about this thing on a Wednesday to Sunday where our league was canceling the season? So, yeah. um, But I think what we focus on right now, I've been really, really happy about how the the, the teams have responded to the return to play protocols and how they've taken it very seriously and how, you know, um, the protocols, it seemed to be working and, you know, the, their medical staffs and their, their presidents and their GMs have taken it very, very seriously. And, and I think, um, you know, if we can get through the year and finish in chronic champion, I think that will be a you know, tremendous, tremendous success for our league. Um, and, um, you know, that's at least what we're shooting for.
1: And of course, I mean that's it's it's. I mean, I'm so intrigued because it's it's uh, because first of all, I mean, I don't know what the lumberjacks. I know they're talking about having fans in, but. We're excited to get some hockey back and we'll be able to watch it on my hockey TV. We can watch that. And I'm going to make sure I get a subscription to that because we've got to watch the best junior a hockey here in the United States. We have been chatting with Tom Garrity, the commissioner and president of the United States hockey league. Tom, thank you once again for taking the time today, obviously informed us on what's going to happen informed all of our viewers and our listeners, what's going to happen. And now at least there there's, there is possibilities and there is hockey going to be on the ice. We're all excited. And once again, thank you for taking the time today.
3: Yeah. And I want to also thank you for having me on. It's really nice talking to you guys. Good energy. I like the vibe of your, of your show. One thing I was going to tell you, um, you got to give a big shout out to the lumberjacks, uh, Dan Israel and Bob Kaiser
1: Yes, uh, made a commi- made a
3: made a commitment, made a commitment to playing without fans. And said, we're going to do it and do it right. And they're a fantastic organization with Mike McCall, their president, and Steve Lowe, their president, and GM. And that's an organization that stepped up in our darkest days and said, no matter what you guys need, we're going to be here. So a big kudos to the Lumberjacks. And I encourage people listening to go out and support that team.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, whenever when they'll allow us back in the building, we will be there. We'll be at the taco bar. Absolutely, that, that's where we'll be. at The <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: taco bar. <laughs> all right, Tom. Uh, I, I wish you all the best. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Tom. Have a good one, man.
3: Thank you. Thanks, guys. Be safe. Bye bye. You, you too. Bye bye.
1: Tom Garrity. that was a fun interview. I'm, I'm glad. I, I'm I'm bummed it took us so long to get him on, but that was fun. That, that was, was
0: very fun. And t- you know what? As a as, as good as energy. Did as a I a... tell him
1: this was my fourth cup of coffee today? <laughs> Death wish coffee, though. Death wish. Co- that's not
0: sponsored. Sp- not sponsored yet. But we'll get there, Tyler. Death wish. No. Now you have to drink Death Wish coffee every episode.
1: Well, he's like good energy. I'm like, should have been here for the first half. If we had him on at 6:30, we'd have been in trouble. That's what I was like. Bleh.
0: Yeah. Was, no. But now, now I was are, still
1: dead, but my death wish came true, so I wasn't feeling dead, and I felt great and alive and well, and it just I don't know. What to do with my hands stop? My hands stop? Stop him, Stop him. Stop him. <laughs> see,
0: we are at that nice, somewhat halfway point in the show where. I start tailing off, but you
1: start coming in. We have this nice little ratio, this nice little yin and yang. Alex starts guy. off strong. He's had his coffee about two hours ago, and he's still good. And then I just come in late. Actually, I did. I had my coffee at four sharp. That's when I have my... This that's, guy. That's usually D-J-K. when
0: I have my coffee. T-J-K. Um, but no, honestly, probably I, one of the most... For, in, for me, as on a personal level, one of the... Interviews that I've looked forward to the most, purely on the basis that I was so shocked. He said he was everyone, so everyone, everyone in this, everyone in this room, i.e., me, you, and the lamp,
1: and those helmets over there, and those helmets over and there, and a picture and, of me and wearing a, a the over there, and
0: our listeners that have been with us for quite a while, and even some of them who have been on the newer side, they know that I appreciate minor league sports and minor league hockey in general. Right. Um, so you know, being able to talk to someone who, like we've said. And, you know, he talked about it as well, having a lot of experience in a different, you know, a, a different number of realms in sport at the professional level, the minor league level. This has obviously been probably one of my personal favorite ones to have and definitely something that we are going to be um, talking about for quite some well, time. The
1: funniest thing was when I when I reached out to him, because I reach out to I'll say this right now. I, I Have you reached yeah. out to Bettman? Is that the question? I don't even know how to get. I was lucky enough to get him because I actually had to go through his Sioux Falls, the Sioux Falls baseball team, oh. to get all of them. I and I because I found his email there. Like I'm like I I you back channeled. I'll say this, Alex, and this is not a slight on you. I'm the one that brings the guests on. Unless, you do Alex tries, but I I'm usually the one because I I see. But LinkedIn, LinkedIn, man. See, here's LinkedIn. the thing. When
0: I try to bring guests onto the show, my guests that I try to bring on are people that are the worker bees. The worker bees. The worker bees, when I say... I, I usually talk to... They're the
1: ones that you never hear about.
0: Precisely. They're the kind of guys that they'll tell you what they can within an organization, but all, there are a few rungs up the ladder that'll tell them that they can't say X, Y, and Z. It's better to go from to the source and to be able to get Tom Garrity the commissioner
2: of we a hockey a, league.
0: We had a commissioner of a league. This is the first... We've, we've had...
1: You know Apparently play the by play guys. We've had, you know Future NHLers, because I had, future I had, NHLers. I had we've Noah Dobson. Had, we've had hadn't had
0: him since people but. that run blogs. We've had sports writers. We've had Athletic
1: writers. We've had quite Sportsnet. a few people. We've had have we had a no head coach yet? We had uh I had Brett Riley, Long Island University. Yep, that's so long, Division
0: yeah. One head coach. Division one head coach, now a commissioner of a hockey league. The list keeps going and going, and so does our listener and viewership quick note here we have to make sure to thank you guys oh and yeah we don't usually do that
1: so much uh well there was there was an issue with the stream briefly during that interview but it's okay Alex because people are like oh man we missed the part of the interview with Tom Garrity that's okay you want to know why Alex because we have the replay yeah TKS the keel show
0: on YouTube make sure to also check us out if you can't watch us live on any of your favorite podcatchers Apple play uh Google play, Apple, well, Apple Play, Apple Podcasts,
1: excuse me. A- Apple Play, oh man, you're putting um, Apple and Google together, Alex. It's not good. I know, people will start riding. It's almost like, hey, maybe we all can get along. Nope, so that's never going to happen. Are we on Spotify? Oh Alex, you just yes said- no, we look- are. <laughs> you just said Google. And in my- <laughs> hey, Google- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's the worst part. No, I'll be watching a commercial. By the way, yes, the Kula Show on your favorite podcatcher. Should be on pretty much, it's pretty much on a bunch of them. I looked up the Kula Show. There's a lot of like off-brand podcast sites that we're on. On like radio.com, listen.fm? We like, are. No, I had I've had a, a lot of different things. I've had a few people,
0: um, you know, p- even players of at Davenport, they're like, Hey, where do I watch you? Like, I looked you guys up and there's a lot <laughs> Just, like, I was like, honestly
1: look us up on YouTube. Well, usually you wanna-
0: usually what I tell them is I say, if you want to listen to us as a podcast, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, what kind of phone or, do you are or, got? or, no, or Spotify. SoundCloud. Spotify. Or SoundCloud. Spotify. Well, I'm just saying for like our personal stuff. Oh, yeah. That's usually what I, t- I tell people to go to because when I listen to those, that's what I personally use. So I, I can only speak from experience. I don't usually use SoundCloud, yeah. but that's what and I that's have. And that's why used it's before. funny. Like, whenever
1: I see the SoundCloud stats, I never, because at the beginning, it was only like people listening through SoundCloud because we always promote the episode with the SoundCloud link on our Twitter. That's, Correct. That's how only people would listen. But now we are on ev- almost every podcatcher. We have a link tree thing that has like every single, wherever we are, social media, Video, whatever, we're on it, and so that's why, like, like there's so many third parties. Like, it says, "Hey, you had this many listens. Where are they from?" I don't know. Third party. Last week was, believe it or not, last week Alex was a down week, for a us, down week where we only had like two hundred people listen. Remember when we ever had two hundred people listen? We thought it was the greatest thing ever. That one week when the Dutch listened to us, like, crazy, oh my
0: goodness, the, the Dutch, 80, the
1: eighty people from another from Amsterdam. That was probably the biggest at that point. Probably just a massive pot party. And they were like, "What's this Kuhl show?" They sound German. Let's click it. They probably these guys aren't German; they're English. No, they they're probably American. looked up
0: Kuhl K U H L, like the outdoor athletic
1: brand. You're telling me that Google said, "Don't you mean the Kuhl show?" Like you're telling me that's what happened, dude.
0: That's a <laughs> conspiracy me, theory. You're telling
1: me Google just went full scale, dude. Now,
0: you're asking the wrong random,
1: dude. Random hockey podcast. Here you guys go.
0: You're asking the wrong dude.
1: Iron Robin probably listened to us, man. Uh, I D- wish. <laughs> if Iron, Iron Robin emails us, hey, I'd like to come on your show. We're not a football podcast, Mr. Robin, but hell, we'll bring you on. Okay. Dutch football I'm sure legend. He watches
0: hockey. I'm
1: sure. Uh, it was Boston, He's an athlete. He likes was sports. Ba- now, if it was Boston Schweinsteiger, that would I would get because the DEL, the Dell, they have well, the yeah. Deutschland Hockey League. But no, I, no, that would be, that was a great week. But now we're just getting people listening. I don't even know where they're listening from, but it doesn't matter because people are
0: listening. I can't believe it. Doesn't matter who you are, but wherever you are, we thank you. It doesn't matter who you are because as long as you know that we love you, we're all in this together. As a high school <laughs> musical reference, that's why I delayed. If there ever the, was one.
1: The inevitable left hook was coming. Gosh, now we just got caught off guard. There. What do we do now? Well, we have about twenty minutes before Chris King comes on because Chris King, we can't call him earlier. He gave us a time. He's told, he was one of the like I usually ask him like you know Hey, we have this spot. It's like Hey, I can do eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah, firm. I like it. He's got a home phone apparently. That's apparent I mean, like even Kelly's parents got rid of their home phone. Okay, I won't tell a him home that. phone. I won't say anything about it because I don't want him to hate me
0: around. Oh, the top absolutely <laughs> not.
1: But no, but what do we do now? Sheesh. I'm so kind of curious. well. Do you
0: want to go from the high of talking about?
1: Talking no, uh, to you? I, th- I think we gave our piece on Mitch Miller. If people want, I mean, hey, if people want us to talk about it more. Well, they it, can either just watch that part all over again, or we can go into more next week. I don't know. Well, well
0: in that case, I do have some backup plans in place, and we can talk about there.
1: So I, I think we got 20 minutes. I see the headline you got right there. Let's start off with that one. Alex. Yep. So. This is coming from thescore.com. This, this is what we used to do when we were just doing podcasts. We did not know what we were talking about the show. We just went, click headlines to just see what happens. That's
0: I personally funny. went to tsn.ca and I was like, right. I said, hey, we, Batman.
1: We, we literally, that's, I didn't even use, like, there was a brief time where I yeah. didn't even do it an outline. We just go into the show. I'm like, what are we going to talk about today? Like, five uh, minutes. we we'll talk time. about this one, this
0: one, and this one.
1: Well, see, now that we're live, Alex, I've realized that when you're live, and this is just from just doing this for now, what? We started in late June. So I'd say four, oh my gosh, four it's months. Been that long? It's been four months. We've been doing peace, this four peace. months now. And I literally said I'm like you know, maybe we should actually make sure we have plans because when you're live and you don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's not entirely true. We've had we've had plans and outlines in place for a long, long time. But like we, this this is like done in advance. Like we would do it like right before the show. When you're doing when you're recording a podcast, folks, you can literally just press pause and just wait until you figure something out. So then it sounds that like that is true. You can just like go into something no problem. Like that's how I used to do my interviews. I do my interviews like three or four days in advance, and I, on Tuesday I would just put them all together, and it sounds perfect. Right. And if I ever messed up and had a brain fart, I could just play say, wait, hold on a second. Okay, that's right, okay. And this point, yeah, I would do that because make it sound legit. Because editing, you can't edit live. You can try to bleep it, but we'll do it live! <laughs> I'm not bleeping anything. <laughs> there is no bleeping.
0: But, uh, but anyways, yes. But sir. yeah, so, so what we'll probably do is we'll do this one thing. We'll probably take, maybe we'll do one more. Take a quick commercial, and then we'll be on... With Chris King at eight o'clock, Islanders broadcast legend. But before we get to that point, this is Josh Wegman from the Score. Um, this is a report. Wow, we're that, hitting the Score now.
1: Geez, you're yes. really broadening your horizons, Alex.
0: Well, this <laughs> is what happens when you start going on to slash hockey on Reddit. They have oh, a lot of headlines. That's a
1: that's a that's just no, this, a deep rabbit is, hole.
0: This is the well the Reddit hole.
1: If you oh know. gosh, I did it.
0: Uh, but so this is Josh Wegman from the Score. Um, this is a report saying that the NHL won't go lower than 48 games next season. So that's a 48 game regular season. Um, this is sor- sources from. Uh, the sources told ESPN's Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyszynski. Wish!
1: I, I'm okay with
0: it. Uh, okay. So, with the target of January 1st being the start date of next season, with the awarding of the Stanley Cup before the Summer Olympics, uh, which is July 23rd. Um, this is not necessarily the plan that the league will go
1: through. Yeah, because, well, we had the whole thing of Bill Daly coming out and saying, hey, we're not going to play until February. Oh, yeah, and all you Canadian teams, y'all are just going to stay up there, which at this point still looking legit. And you know what? I wouldn't be okay with that because you want to have the Battle of Alberta and the Battle of Ontario the entire season, two teams just punch each other in the face 20 times a year. I'm all for it. Direct quote from Bill
0: Daly, Deputy Commissioner. Of the NHLPA, not Bill Daly. Bill Foley, the uh, the owner of the Knights, not Bill Daly. He's Bill Daly. No, this this about. guy is Bill Daly. Um, this is quote. I think there's some flexibility if we were to choose that route. Talking about going, you know, doing January 1st to the beginning of the Olympics of the excuse me, Summer Olympics. There's a lot of loft left to be played out on the Olympics front too we have models that extend past the olympic time period those are alternatives that are on the table i can tell you they're the, they are the ones that are necessarily going they they are the ones that are necessarily going to be pursued but i think there there's some flexibility there i think the wording was a little bit weird there i feel like he kind of like when he was saying something, he was gonna say something not necessarily, but we have to go direct to
1: the quote. Yep. And that are those are the words that were said. I will say this quoting, especially now do I do live newscasts, especially during an election year, you have to be careful with those. Yeah, you, you have to literally be to the T, verbatim on quotes. Or else people be like, That's false. And I'm like, here's what he's here's the video.
0: Yes. That's, you that's, work <laughs> in the world of news. You know what? You know what's the best some part. Some of which people who think is fake
1: yeah the, oh gosh you're kidding you're telling i
0: don't think i should be saying this but well
1: no here here no here is that was that was pretty good
0: you've had four years to develop your trump alex thank congratulations you thank you very much no, i think I, i'm the greatest you know, i have the greatest hold on nation of this guy ever i think i no, you I don't. think i really
1: do no you don't I have the greatest <laughs> i no. i am the greatest i am the champion we i lost my train of thought no that's funny when i told when i first got hired i waited about a month though there's there's an anchor that I work with quite frequently, like, with like crossover shifts. Sure. I told her, I was like, yeah, I'm not really big into politics. Like, why'd you go into news? And I'm like, it's a job. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> it's a, this is a job. This is me getting airtime. It's all I care about. It's like, well, you should really like, I mean, you should be involved in politics. I'm like, no, I just read what's on the prompt. <laughs> I just go there, hit the mic, and I go. Ma'am, I perform.
0: Ma'am, listen, <laughs> I have been trying to get this guy to be into politics for God knows how long.
1: You tried to eighteen have me, days. You tried to have me vote for
0: eighteen you. days. I eighteen days after the election, I had my birthday to turn eighteen. I could not vote last election. And, and you I, were I begged you. I was like, please please vote don't do it for yourself. Do it for me. Do it for me, do it for the fans. Get rid of
1: Hogan. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was more like don't let Hogan in. <laughs> but no, I yeah, politics are fun. Where were we at? Oh, uh, we were talking oh, about close. this. Yes, we we're, were talking about this. How um, did we do that?
0: So with the 48-game schedule, um, obviously this is something that is similar to a shortened, kind of like lockout-ish season. Um, but obviously, I think a big reason why they want to have no less no less than 48 games is the fact that, for one, you have a tv contract that you have to worry about so you want to make sure that you're getting all the ad revenue you can possibly get in commercials um for obviously local stations that you can get Um, another thing is whether or not they with the ultimate goal of the league to have fans in the arena this is from greg washinski i'm paraphrasing um they don't think that they'll get to capacity especially with enough space for socially distanced fans They also need to because no sure- matter
1: no matter what we're going to have this the pandemic this well, it, whether it's still considered a pandemic the coronavirus is going to stay around
0: this is a pandemic this, this is still, we are still in a global what pandemic. I'm
1: saying is at that point this thing will be the coronavirus will be around the flu stuck sure. around pa- the coronavirus it'll stick around we're just gonna I mean eventually the vaccine will come out and eventually we will have to learn to live with it. Hey, I have to stay home. I got the coronavirus. Eventually, guys, in a few years, guess what? People will be like, oh, okay, just stay home for a couple of days. Diseases don't just go away, people. No. There's a reason why
0: there was, what was it, a Texas elementary school that had a you know, few kids with polio. You know, what was it? Oh, gosh, yeah. Earlier this year
1: or last year. Yeah. And there was a couple these, people. D- people. On, had the West, some people had West Nile.
0: Yeah. like that. These diseases do not go away. What happens is we get these, you know, things called vaccines. Vaccines. <laughs> That you're welcome. No, I'm. I'm for for a fact. Oh, for a fact. Vaccines that help offset. Oh, you want The cases and offset. You know the symptoms, everything that goes with it. As far as we know, we we have the polio virus in our bodies. We just don't have the effects of it because well, we get vaccinated for it. Do you, Are you putting effects <laughs> on me right
1: now? I'm giving you an effect. You wanted effects. Oh my goodness. You wanted effects. <laughs> I
0: heard it in the ear and I couldn't tell whether or not. <laughs>
1: I, um, I but, learned that but, hard way the first time I used it. But this thing. getting
0: back to hockey, another effect that's definitely going to be felt on this is the fact that they have in the 2021 22 season, the Seattle Kraken, a new organization that's coming into the fold that and they have you, to worry
1: about. And you want them to be, hey, let everyone in the building. You want that to be the case. That's the goal.
0: Precisely. So you want to make sure that whatever they decide to do as far as the season goes and especially how they go through the season they want to look strong for it so if they end up having to cancel the entire season which would be definitely a detriment to the hockey world it'll be a huge loss for all parties involved and obviously commissioner Bettman will get a whole lot of flack because he is the butt end of all of our jokes and all of our
1: well and I was uh, saying with Tom, yes, and, he's been on... I've given him crap, and yes, that episode is still one of our most... The Batman and the NBC ones are still two of our biggest episodes. Batman's done a magnificent job of getting the league through this. And now, yes... He's, clip that. Everyone just clip that. I've said that before. I've, uh, garnered, I've talked with Harrison Watt about it off air. Like, I've learned a whole lot of respect for this guy. Now, yes, his past... And yes, I know, understand that he's not the only guy in that room. I'm not going to give you any credit to Bill Daly yet, because... I'm not at that point yet. Sure. I'm not, I'm not at that point with him and I's non existent distant relationship. <laughs> but
0: I like you and Elite Friedman. Fried and I have a wonderful relationship. Oh, it's my a goodness. perfect
1: working relationship. But I I the fact that he's been able to do this and he's doing everything he can to make sure that, hey, we can have another season. Now, going back to the the hockey side of things, the actual schedule, the fact when the league came out and said we want to have an eighty two game season, and I'm like, how many back like having back to backs right now? USHL aside, because that's what they do. That's how their schedule works in a normal year. Having that many back-to-backs with all that travel, even though it's going to be regional, that's going to take a toll on the players more than it would be if they played in the bubble all the time like that. Well, no, it, I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. I, I would
0: well, have to say. Think because this. Well,
1: how many back You also have
0: to think of it this way. When you're playing if you're 20 do, games hold, in a month...
1: Well, well, hold on here. Hold on here. That's what I'm saying.
0: Yes, that is a consideration. But also, you have to take into fact that when you do these back to back games or you do a three game weekend, you also get a lot of time off in between. But they would not is, be able which to which is something that with past models of regular seasons, teams have not been able to have. Because you'll play like you'll play a Saturday game and then you'll get home, you'll have like a you know a couple days and then you have a Tuesday night game, you know, maybe play on Friday.
1: No, that's not that far apart. The NHL, it's about every other day. The only time there's ever for the games two, for two days stretch, if there's ever a two day stretch, it's because you play it a back to back. It's when they play three and four nights. That's when it's a big deal. Now there's not as much time. Like there's, I think there's more time. Honestly, I would, I would, I would personally
0: love it. If NHL, if You're the NHL call, you get make, another spam call. Oh, I love it. Can we hook them up? Can we absolutely not? <laughs> Can but we, hook no. up? we could just hello. have hello. Your insurance has expired and legal action is being taken against you. The IRS is. You have three days to call us back at this number 885 555. Go beep yourself. <laughs> it's a very long number, Alex. It's a very long number.
1: <laughs> but especially I, when you spell up beep. But you were saying about what, why you would. Lo- I mean, I don't. I would
0: love if. just Even just for this season, if you're. At the very least, you have 48 games, and they decide to have a 48 full season, quote-unquote full season. If they took on the model that minor league sports does of doing back-to-backs, of doing three-game weekends. Well, they're going to have to,
1: in a compressed season.
0: Because here's also my point here, is that with that in mind, you would have a full week, like weekdays off. Except for the cases where you have a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday game, so the, those would be the only times that you'd actually have non-weekend days in your schedule. So, with that in mind, if you ended up having to cancel games for you know for positive cases or whatever, or you had to not cancel them, you had to delay them. You then have different parts of the schedule where you have five days stretches of nothing.
1: Well, I'll so, see, but, so the, but with, the players won't like that. Players won't like it. Well, you know what? Do they want to play? Well, here's the thing.
0: So, Alex, looking at this, this is, here, hold on. Hold logist, on. Just I'm just saying, oh. even though the players might not like it and the NHLPA would be against it, I think it would be for the betterment of the league and the betterment of schedule making and having to make up games because that's the the reality we live in, especially if we're not going to go back to a bubble system right it's it gives that it gives the time and space that's needed because if there are cancellations, well, what are you going to do with that extra time? okay or, what, what are you going to do with the time that's non-existent? so well, then you end up having to cancel games okay. then you have and a I, team in Colorado that since they don't live around anybody and they get a positive case, well, what do they, they just seclude for a little bit as whereas you have a team like Detroit where you have all these teams around them. So you have to try to figure out what are you going to do? I,
1: and I think that's why the league shouldn't. Cause I'm looking, I was just looking at the Arizona coyotes, 2013 season. Remember they didn't start until January the 19th. The league didn't, they had in 48 games, I scroll down a little bit so I can see it. They had seven. I just quickly counted. They had seven back-to-backs in a 48 game schedule. Okay, so not that many. They didn't have to jam a bunch of games together because they. So that's fourteen games out of forty-eight. Uh, four, yes, fourteen games out of forty-eight were back-to-backs or part of a back-to-back. And now, yes, the the uh, the cup was awarded later than ever. It was, I think, mid June. <laughs> excuse me, late June. But I, what I say is, you want to have space this season between games so you can reschedule games if possible. Well, I that's have. A, a, that's why I say do the back-to-back system. Well, don't, we don't want to jam them all together. Leave spaces out and say, hey, guys, because they're all going to be regional. There's going to be no, you're not going to see L.A. play Boston. You're not going to play Florida, go up to Vancouver. It's going to be, It's most likely at this point, unless something magically changes and the world just gets healthy by Christmas, which won't happen, you'll have Canadian division, Pacific, Central, Atlantic. Well, that's just a rumor, but I get, I get your point. It's very
0: likely at it's this It's very point, likely. Very likely. So the sources that we get that information from are very
1: reliable sources. Fridge hasn't confirmed it for me yet, but then again, he hasn't texted me back in a couple days. Oh, later. sweet Jesus! But my thing is this: you want to leave space so you can reschedule games. You don't need to jam them all together. Yes, will the Cup be late later than a normal would in a normal season? Yes, it may be late. June. We may be looking at Canada Day as a possible date to sta- to crown the Stanley Cup champion. I don't want to have a sixty game season because I'm. At that point, you're almost saying, hey, guys, we may end, like, because there may be games need to get canceled late in the season, late in April, late into May, if you go that far, where you have to say, all right, guys, screw it, we're doing point percentage again, because that's what's going to have to happen. If you want to have everyone play the same amount of games, set a low number, even do 50-55, set a low number, and just say, all right, give us time, if we need to reschedule games, we can, and we'll go from there. That, I would like to see, because then, hey, say you play 50 games, Alex, You'll have to work it out, obviously, and do the math of how many teams play, which team plays which team how many times or whatever, but that's what you need to consider if you're going to go with a season. Well, you'd have the, to do 48. 48 games, yeah. So, and I, or, because so 16 rule. So then you'd play six. So if you're in Canada, there are seven teams in Canada, for those that don't know, you'd play everyone eight times. Perfect. Now, yes, it'd be a little bit harder in the southern divisions because that means you have – so that'd be – 24. 24 divided by 3. It's 8. So you have seven teams you have to play against. One team would get shafted. I mean, I'm pretty sure some teams, if like, hey, you don't have to play this that many times, I'm sure they'd be happy. But then there's some teams like, why can't we play the crappy team more than anyone oh, else? Yeah, instead
0: of playing a team three times, you'd play them.
1: I'm the league league just four. going, all right, Tampa, Boston, you guys are going to play 15 times this year. <laughs> okay. Well, oh I yeah, mean it's a possibility. I am just saying eight. Listen, well, if, think about if it. They if they do forty-eight games, Alex, that means we get eight Edmonton-Calgary matchups. Well, if you do we forty-eight get, games, give me my phone back. Then it means you get eight Montreal-Toronto. Ah, Montreal-Toronto, not so much. Toronto-Ottawa games, which I think are gonna be a lot closer. Montreal
0: and Ott, or Montreal and Toronto. You don't say that's a game.
1: It'll be a good game, but I don't think it's gonna be as heated. I think Toronto-Ottawa is gonna be the Battle of Ontario. I think it'd be a little bit more. Oh, this rebel. year,
0: absolutely.
1: This will be a lot, a lot greater of a year. You'll get. Like I said, the Battle of Alberta. I think Vancouver versus Calgary. You not... can't
0: let the Alberta, the Battle of Alberta, go eight games deep. Absolutely not. There, there will be a...
1: murder there on will be the ice. Ba- players from Bakersfield getting wrecked. What's the ECHL team for Edmonton? Who cares? They'll be getting brought up as well. We need bodies. ECHL. Well, I'm trying to think of the teams now. I can't. Just look up ECHL affiliates. What'd you do? Look up Edmonton, Wichita, Wichita, Sh- Wichita. I thought it was Tulsa. What is that? What date is that, Alex? What is that release? This one? It is... For the 2019-2020 season. Oh, maybe it's so. Okay. If it was last season, at least. It was Wichita. Whatever. They'd be bringing players up from there. It'd be so many bodies going everywhere. So, but I... I like the fact that we're going to have a... There's going to be a season.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I'm going over here. No, Screw no, you.
1: No. <laughs> that one just came out of nowhere. That one was... That was not, like, a expected cough. That one just kind of caught up on me.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what I sound like. It's awful. But... I like the fact that the league's trying to make a season, but I just say you gotta give, a, you need to have space in between games. You can't try to jam so many can into a month. Listen, single season records are not going to get broken this year, guys. You're not going to try to make up for last year. Play the bare minimum that you need to get through this year. Get back to normal the following year. Yeah. I don't want to have a 60 game season next year, and then have to have Seattle come into a 70 game season. No. You want to have 82 next year, or er, 21-22. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so that's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, Alex.
0: Yep, you are sticking to it. But before we get on to the next part of our show, we are going to take a quick commercial, and then we will be back with none other than Chris King. We'll be back after this.
1: Mics are still on.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Keel Show here on 12-Ounce Sports, brought to you by Second String Leather Company, crafted from the crease. On the line now is a man who has been part of the New York Islanders organization and on the radio broadcast for over 30 years. He was a color commentator for 12 seasons before getting the opportunity to become the main play-by-play guy for the team. Ladies and gentlemen, he is none other than the world-famous Chris king
1: hey woo, chris king chris how you doing today sir
2: wow quite the introduction guys quite the introduction thank you so much and these
1: productions. well you buddies,
2: are very welcome these, sir. whoever
1: writes for us alex he's a genius isn't he yeah he's something <laughs> chris how you doing
0: today I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, uh, not too bad, not too bad.
1: it's 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 been a day and a half there. You know, Chris, before we before we get into the show here and before we get in or before we get into the show, we're in the show. Before we get into the current islanders, let's let's talk about your stuff here because I read up on you here. I did my research because I know obviously I've known you've done the games now for the last almost the last decade now. I you know, looking back at your story, you have literally climbed the ladder for the Islanders broadcasting. And you've been a fan since the team came on ice in 1972. You know, what is that? I mean, it's a great story because you started off as a reporter. You became the host of the show or the host of the team in eight, 1989 and then, or 1994, excuse me. You become the color commentator. Then you become the play by play guy. Like I, it's cause people probably go for years trying to get that opportunity, but you were able to do it. I mean, it's, I guess, you know, what is it looking, looking back on your career, Chris, what is it like going from knowing you started at the base as just a reporter to now being the voice of the Islanders?
2: Yeah, it's great, guys. And as you mentioned, I mean, for me, it's not just like, you know, an NHL job. This is the team, as you said, that I literally grew up with. In 1972, I was 11 years old when the Islanders arrived on Long Island. And, uh, you know, suddenly I had my own team. It was incredible. And, you know, it was a half hour from where I lived, uh, the Nassau Coliseum, So basically grew up in that building and grew up a huge Islander fan. And and then, as you mentioned, my my career path to the play-by-play job literally starts out as a radio reporter, which I did for five years. Then that station got the rights to broadcast the game, so they put me on as the pregame, postgame, and intermission host. Then it moved to a different station, who said, "Hey, we know you're doing all that other stuff, but can you also produce the game and engineer the game?" And you never say no, so I said, "Sure, I can do that as well." So at that point, I basically was doing five jobs uh, on the same broadcast each night. It was a blast. And then, you know, eventually the Islanders came to me and said, "Hey, you know, we know you're doing all that other stuff, but how'd you like to do color instead?" So you know, that gave me the opportunity to to be on the actual broadcast on a full time basis. And then, as you said, now for the last ten years. Uh, doing play-by-play, so I think that the area that helps me the most, though, guys, is that you know we work with all the students at Hofstra University. As their uh, radio station is our flagship station, um, and again, I, I love working with all the young students at Hofstra. But I think you know it helps them to realize, hey, you know, you don't generally go from college to the job you ultimately want immediately. You take all those baby steps. On the way up. So, you know, when they look at me, they see a guy who went from reporter to pregame to postgame to intermission to produce to engineer to color to play by play. And that's, you know, how you climb the ladder step by step. And it, and it helps me as well, you know, in working with all the students who are still on that ladder trying to climb up because they know, you know, I've done every single job there is imaginable uh, on this Islander broadcast and I can help them, you know, get better at the job they're currently trying to master as well.
0: Yeah. And especially as in, in the sports industry, there is, there's definitely a lot of college graduates that, that do try to find that job that they're, that they want as their end game, um, right off the bat. And it can be definitely frustrating. So obviously for those students, they definitely get a great, um, person to look up to and to see, you know, what it means to you know be able to climb that ladder and the, the type of work that you have to put in to get to where you want to be. Now, this may be a a little bit of a tough question for you, um, but what was your favorite Islanders moment before the year of 1989? And to cap that, what was your favorite moment since being part of the broadcast team?
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty simple because, uh, you know, the first uh, favorite moment is the first cup, right? I mean, uh, you never forget the first cup. I was a huge fan, obviously, since I was 11 years old and on May 24th, 1980. You know, Bobby Nystrom scores the overtime goal from Johnson Elliott, beats the Flyers in game six, and, you know, they win the first Stanley Cup, and you didn't know at the time they are going to win three more <laughs> to make it four in a row, but that first cup will always be special as a fan. And then, you know, post-89, which is basically when, you know, I started working for the team. Um, I've had a couple this past season that are really special to me, uh, you know, to get to the conference finals for the first time since 93, a couple of great overtime games. But I think I still go back to, you know, I, I had a pretty famous call in uh, – in 2016, when the Islanders hadn't won a playoff series in 23 years, and John Tavares scored in double overtime, and I put something in the call that the fans had been doing a lot of, and that is yes, 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 and the call kind of became viral and and took off, and uh, and I think that's the one call I'm you know most associated with these days. So I think you know that double overtime series clinching goal by John Tavares to give the Islanders their pl- first playoff series win since 1993 is probably my favorite on air moment. Uh, You know, since I joined the broadcast, as you said, covering the team in 89.
1: I I remember that game so vividly because I nowadays I watch the playoffs just about every single game. But back then I was 16 was probably especially since the Leafs didn't make it. And I'm kind of a Leafs fan. I'm slowly like I'm deterring like I cheer for the Leafs, but like if they don't win, it doesn't affect my life. So the year they didn't make the playoffs in 2016 again, I got to watch that series and I'm like, you know, this Islanders team is pretty good and I know Tavares was always a great player and just the way that series panned out, obviously the, the rest of this, the playoffs didn't quite go the Islanders way. Yeah. But just, just the fact they won and and I and this could you know, I may be in the minority here, I don't know about how the Islanders fan base from your side there is Chris, but I've never I've never really bought in entirely to the Barclay Center. The Islanders play in there. But the way that crowd reacted when Tavares scored, and I'm like, Okay, maybe they do have fans in Brooklyn. I mean, at that moment it was just a at least in the last 20 years, has been probably one of the biggest moments in the Islanders' history.
2: Yeah, it is, and there's no doubt about it. And, and you know, you talk about that series, the way it played out. That series was a series that was tied 2-2 in Game 5 down in South Florida, went to double overtime as well. And, you know, an unlikely hero in that one for the Islanders was a guy named Alan Quine, who scored in double overtime yep. to win Game 5 uh, to send it to Game 6. And then, you know, not only did Severas win it in double overtime to win the series, but you have to remember they were down one nothing in that game with a minute to go and John Tavares, you know, scored the tying goal with under a minute to go in regulation and then the double overtime winner. So, you know, back-to-back double overtime wins in the Stanley Cup playoffs to give them their first series since 93. Uh was just incredible. And then this year though, guys, I do put a lot of you know, the run this year up there with that because they got to the conference finals for the first time since ninety three as well. And, you know, had an incredible game seven victory over the Philadelphia Flyers. They had a great overtime moment in game five against Tampa where Jordan Everly scored in double overtime to keep the season alive. And that ranks right up there for me, uh, you know no doubt about it. So there were some moments this year that certainly rivaled, you know, twenty sixteen. It's just that in twenty sixteen uh, the build-up was incredible for the way to finally, you know, win a series and to have it happen in Brooklyn, as you guys said it, it, it never was the for that night and also game three of that series, Thomas Hickey uh, won in overtime in the first ever playoff game in Brooklyn was amazing too so, you know, the building proved it could rock those nights and uh, uh, the good news for the Islanders, they don't have to go back to Brooklyn anymore because they have a brand new building coming up in about a year on Belmont Park that they're going to uh, be opening, but uh, you know, for those who didn't like Brooklyn, that'll always be the memory of Brooklyn of, uh, you know, that incredible Tavares moment, uh, the one outstanding moment for the five years that they spent playing there.
0: Now, staying on that topic of John Tavares, <laughs> what was it like with John Tavares's return not two years, two years later to Long Island, um, with all of the Islanders faithful, um, let's just say to put it nicely,
2: a little upset <laughs> with John Tavares. <laughs> Yeah, they don't like John too much, uh, and uh, with good reason, but that first game back at the Coliseum, guys, was, again, absolutely something that I'll never forget because the atmosphere was just rabid, I guess, was the best way to put it. You know, some of the fans went a little bit too far over the top with throwing things at him and throwing things on the ice, and you wish those things didn't occur. But the atmosphere for the game itself, where the Islanders, you know, blew them out, they won six to one, and uh, just a chance directed at John Taveras all night long—it was—it uh, was incredible. It was one of the, the most charged atmospheres you've ever seen in that building, and you know, obviously, I, I kidded about it though, before the game, saying on the radio. Uh, you're not gonna, I'm not going to have to say when John Tavares has the puck tonight because you'll know from the booze. because every time he touches it, <laughs> you'll hear the booze so loud you'll know he has the puck. But uh, that was a sweet night for Islander fans, uh, you know, to be able to, to give it to Tavares vocally when, you know, uh, again, it went over the top in some other points, which I wish didn't happen, but also to win the game 6-1 to one, uh, is something that anybody who was in that building that night will never forget.
1: That. That game in particular, I still remember it because I went to a friend's house and they were my, my friends aren't some of my friends aren't big hockey guys. I'm like, guys, can we at least watch the first period? Because that's when <laughs> that's when they'll be at their peak. Because here's the thing, yep. I said it on the show before. I love getting booed. I was a goaltender. I loved getting booed. Loved trying to get people to razz me because it just got me going. Because I don't know, I liked it more than being chair. Uh, Chris, have you realized goaltenders are kind of funky that way?
2: But, my son's a goalie, so I know what you're talking. Hey, about. Hey, there yep. we go. See, look at that
1: <laughs> goaltenders. They're always great. Yeah. But I, I just, I remember, like, I watched that game, and I almost, I just laughed. And my friends were like, wow, they must really hate him. And I'm like, yeah, and I just laughed about it. I knew they were going to, lo- at least we're going to lose that night. There was no way they were going to win that hockey game. They, like, the entire team, because they're so young still, they'll get rattled in a building like that, because it's the Coliseum. It is loud. It is impending when the crowd's there. So I look at that game, and I'm just like, I still listen to it, because it's just so funny just to see how mad people were. It's the closest <laughs> thing I've ever seen to a hockey game almost turned into a WWE match almost just (laughs) how loud that place was
2: and you have to remember too guys I mean the first meeting the Islanders really stuck it to them as well up in Toronto the Islanders won that one 4-0 and that was the night Barzell had the hat trick so you know coming back to the Coliseum they know they'd already beaten John Tavares on Canadian ice now could they do it again at the Coliseum? And it was a great night. But again, to John's credit, and I don't like to give him credit, but you have to, the final meeting was at the Coliseum, and the Leafs won it and Tavares had the game-winning goal. So you have to give him his due. In that, you know, he finally did get his moment back at the Coliseum when things had settled down a little bit. I mean, it was still a great atmosphere. It wasn't anywhere near what it was the first time through. But you know, the Islanders had that four nothing win in Toronto in meeting one, then the six one win the first time at the Coliseum. But then Tavares did have the game winner in the final meeting of the year, so he did get a small measure of revenge. Uh, you know, before the three meetings were out uh, in his first season against the Islanders as a leaf. Yeah,
1: I, I will say this: we remember that show because I we were live when Taveras scored, and I got really excited on the air and that was uh it wasn't fun for Alex's ears it was I thought it was it was it was a good little rival I thought I'd like to see it kind of continue on here and if the Leafs can actually you know make it past the first round that'd be great but let's let's stick with the Islanders here let's go to this year's playoffs first of all Chris because I presume that you were like many other broadcasts we had Brendan Batchelor from the Canucks on earlier a couple weeks ago you were calling a game in a studio were you not
2: Yes, again, the NHL did not allow any local radio or TV on-site in the bubbles. So, again, the national broadcasters had, you know, one crew each in the buildings, but, yeah, no local radio, no local TV, so that was a big challenge in itself. Uh, you know calling the game off a of, I had two fifty five inch television screens at our uh, at our flagship radio station studios, and that's something i'd never done before is you know calling play by play off the screen so that was a big challenge in itself absolutely but again, as you said, you know talking to brendan and and everybody else had the same challenge so you know, I couldn't say, hey, woe is me, because everybody was in the same boat, and it was more important to be safe at that time. And, you know, kudos for the NHL for pulling off the bubbles the way they did to go, you know, the entire Stanley Cup playoffs without a single positive case of, of COVID-19 was nothing short of remarkable.
1: Yeah, it's funny, because, of course, Brendan Burke calls games for the Islanders on television. Hey remember the... Uh, which play, was it Barzell's goal against, I forget which goal, he had an overtime goal, it seemed like it was so long ago now, but it was... Yeah, it
2: was the second round against Washington, right, Yeah. Yes,
1: and it was the pass up the wing that was thrown at the board, and Burke's like, I guess because Burke was only calling off one monitor, and he's like, I couldn't see it, and I'm like, that was the challenges of, I'm like, simply us watching the game, let alone trying to call the game, I mean, but at least, I mean, you had two 55-inch TVs, I have a 32-inch, I'm sitting here at home, like, "Eh." (laughs) I'm like, with my microscope trying to see what's going on, so I couldn't imagine the challenge, but what I mean it was it's is it weird just not being there not being able to get the vibe or was it just you know hey there's a game on let's stick to let's stick to our jobs here
2: I mean both both because like you said you you guys you know we talked about the atmosphere at the Coliseum and even the atmosphere in Brooklyn for that 16 series and there's nothing you know better than being in a building for the Stanley Cup playoffs home and away because like you said that you know some teams feed on that negative energy coming at them from the other side so um, certainly that was missed. The atmosphere of a playoff game was missed and the day to day just you know, the way I do my job of talking to coaches, talking to players, sitting down, having conversations about hockey. I mean, we still, you know, got to have those conversations, but it was over Zoom and it was remote and it wasn't nearly the same as, you know, being able to just sit down next to whoever you want and pick their brain. So that part of it was true. But the other part of it was true as well. You you know, you do have a job to do. You have to do it the best you possibly can. And uh, I give the NHL a lot of credit because of the fact that the buildings were empty they did a great job of mixing the audio that you know we would hear in our headsets and would go out over the airwaves uh... you know to pump up all those levels so you were hearing you know skates and sticks and pucks and referees whistles and and boards and glass and and just sounds that you maybe never heard before even more amplified and obviously the crowd noise as well even though it was phony you know when i had that headset on and i'm watching the screen i'm hearing all the noises that i normally do in the building not to the same decibel level obviously But still, you know, I think if those noises weren't present, it would have been much harder to do my job. But that got me into it. And, you know, there are plenty of YouTube videos of, uh, especially if you look at my call on that Jordan Eberle double overtime winner against Tampa in Game 5, I was, you know, just as excited in that studio as I would have been in the building to have, you know, the season stay alive on a double overtime winner and for the Islanders to take the Lightning to Game 6 and then, you know, eventually lose that one in overtime, too. They were a goal away from Game 7 to the team that ended up winning the Stanley Cup.
0: Yeah, having the eventual Stanley Cup champs somewhat, I would say, on the ropes, being that close to getting all the way to the cup finals, definitely an achievement for the organization. Seeing that just the year before they made it to the second round, what do you think was the biggest difference between this year's team and the team of last year?
2: Yeah, just uh, a little bit more well-rounded, certainly. And I think, you know, the biggest place uh, I'm going to look is what Lou Lamorel did at the deadline. He made two unbelievable moves at the trade deadline to bring in J.G. Pajot, the forward who, you know, was a third-line center but gave the Islanders everything they had been lacking in that spot. I mean, the Islanders were so set down the middle with Barzell as the first center, Nelson as the second, and Casey Sizikas, you know, a great fourth-line center. But they had been trying to fill that 3C spot, as we call it, you know, the third-line center. All year long, so suddenly they make the deal for J.G Pajot and then they sign him for an additional six years immediately, and here's a guy who you know plays even strength, pays power play, does penalty kill, graded face offs. Great on the ice, great off the ice. Just a terrific addition. So that kind of solidified that third line. And then a guy like Andy Green, you know, Lou got him as well at the deadline. He knew him from his time in New Jersey. He brings him over. Johnny Boychuk goes down in the very first game against the Florida Panthers of the playoffs. Andy Green steps in and doesn't miss a beat the rest of the way. So, you know, I think that to me was was the, just the biggest improvements of you know from the season before where. You know, they had an incredible first round to sweep the Penguins and then got swept by Carolina. So the euphoria was over immediately after one round two years ago. But this year, you know, they had the preliminary round. They get through Florida pretty easily in four. They get through Washington in five, which was a bit of a surprise that it was that easy, but a great matchup against Barry Trotz's old team. And then, you know, they have a 3-1 lead over Philadelphia, but Philadelphia wins games five and six in overtime, both of them, to get it to game seven. And then out of the blue comes Thomas Grice to toss a shutout in Game 7 to get the Islanders to the Conference Finals again for the first time since 93. And, um, you know, it fell apart there. They kind of got, uh, you know, taken over, uh, not taken over, but I would just say the league didn't do a great job in the way that, you know, they had to go into Game 1 where they had to travel across the entire country of Canada basically on one day and play the next, and they got thumped in Game 1. Uh, they lost game two with eight seconds to go and fell behind 2 nothing, and obviously battled their way back to get within a goal of game seven. But I just would have liked to see, you know, the league give them a little bit more time to get ready for that first game when they were just sitting ducks and you know, got completely blown out by Tampa, allowing the Lightning to score eight goals in that first game. Um, but, you know, from that point on, it was a, as even a series as you could imagine. So, you know, just a thrill to, to get to the conference finals and to get so close to the Stanley Cup final as well.
1: Yeah, and I, it's it's and that's just in a testament, you know. Obviously, yeah, the schedule was kind of funky, but then again, I think we all kind of figured with twenty twenty the way it was, it was going to be odd for for any team at this point. But we look at the guy behind the bench, and I've talked about it on this show before with Harrison Watt because I've had the question asked: Is Barry Trotz is the best coach in Scotty Bowman? And Alex, you and I had discussed this before. You know, Chris, I I don't know if you can obviously I don't think I say play favorites, but I don't know if there is a better coach in the league and in the past 20 years since Scotty Bowman retired that has been consistently good no matter what, you know, what cards are dealt to him other than Barry Trotz.
2: I agree. I absolutely agree, guys. And, you know, you look at the numbers, obviously, Scotty Bowman is number one. He's always going to be number one. Al Arbor, you know, to me, the Islander legend is in that conversation. And the other two guys who are top four and. Almost every category are Joel Quenville, who obviously Barry got through in, in the opening round of the playoffs with the Panthers, and and again, to see the job that, that Barry did, you know, you look at his whole career, not just with what he did recently, you know, started out in Nashville 15 years with the Predators, took them from expansion to, you know, an incredible, uh, incredibly well-balanced team that had some great runs themselves in the playoffs but came up short. Then they bring him into Washington where he had some, you know, devastating losses in the playoffs after incredible regular seasons where, you know, they won the President's Trophy but couldn't get the cup. He was Coach of the Year, couldn't get the cup, but finally get over the hill and win the first cup for that city in their 44-year history. And then comes to the Islanders, and all he does in their first year with the Islanders is take them from the most goals against the year before he arrived to the fewest goals against – in his first year, that hadn't happened in the NHL in 100 years, and he wins coach of the year. And then, you know, the second year takes him on this great run that, that, that has them a goal away from Game 7, and this time Lou Lamorello gets the GM of the year. So, you know, you look at uh, the way I emphasize the point, guys, uh, about Barry Trotz and Lou together. I do kind of put it together. But this is the one stat that that just absolutely epitomizes what they've meant to the Islanders, again, in two years that they've been here, okay, in the previous 25 years prior to their arrival, the Islanders had one playoff series win. One. That's 2016 against the Florida Panthers, the Tavera goal we, ta- Tavera's goal we talked about. In the two years that Lou and Barry have been here, they've won four playoff series. Four after only winning one in the previous 25 years. So if that doesn't tell you all you need to know about the difference of what Lou and Barry have meant to the Islanders from the top down, uh, I don't know what does.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you know, going to the second round in 2019, conference finals in 2020. You know, we've seen teams in the past when they go from year to year, when they shoot up from, like, the second round of the conference finals, it's definitely it's definitely a, a quick second between either they stay there and they possibly go straight to the Stanley Cup finals, play for the cup, or they just get dropped right back to where they were. Do you, so do you think that with this regime that we have with, with Barry Trotz, with Lou Lamorell, do you see them going straight back to where they were last year, possibly getting back to the finals? or Do you see them possibly getting off with the loss of Thomas Grice?
2: Yeah, I I don't see them regressing guy because of the way that, you know, Lou and Barry have built this thing. It's not to me like a one-off and you know, it's built nicely from year one to year two, as we talked about, but, you know, obviously losing Thomas Grice, he's a gr- he was a great addition, uh, you know, an incredible five years uh, with the Islanders. He's going to end up top five in so many of their their goaltending categories and actually number one all-time in Islander history in save percentage, which is remarkable when you think about a guy like Billy Smith, who's a Hall of Famer and led them to all those cups. But, you know, to me, they're going to bring back largely the same team. I still think they would like to add you know, uh, a scoring winger, which is the one thing they're really lacking, and that kind of reared its ugly head in the Tampa series where they didn't score at all in the four games they lost. But, you know, they are going to bring in a guy who's arguably the greatest goaltender who's not in the National Hockey League right now, and Ilya Sorokin, who, you know, they drafted way back in 2014. And uh, he's going to battle Semyon Varlamov, in my mind, to to be the number one goalie. So, um, you know, to me, they're going to be stronger in goal. Obviously the trade away of Devon Taves was really tough on defense because he is a I think he's going to be an incredible defenseman when he gets older but uh, you know that was just a cap issue but they have Noah Dobson ready to step up so you know he will fill that void and you know up front they still have you know things that have to get taken care of obviously Matt Barzell's is a restricted free agent so is Ryan Pulock on the blue line they've got to get those deals done and then hopefully with this flat cap situation still have some money to bring back guys who are unrestricted, like Matt Martin, who had an incredible playoffs, and, you know, as Mr. Islander in the community, like Andy Green, who, you know, stepped up and did a great job, and like even Derek Brassard, who, you know, did a nice job playing both center and wing. So they do have challenges with the flat cap to try to get back to exactly where they were, but when I think about, you know, how much better they're going to be in goal, and if everything we've seen from Ilya Sorokin in the KHL uh, is even partially what we see from them in the NHL. They are going to be so much stronger between the pipes that they are going to be that much of a better team.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited to see what this team does. I mean, I there was a little bit of point during the season, like oh, maybe they're not as good, but then they rose back up in the playoffs. So maybe, hey, it's okay to be good in the playoffs, Alex. It's, you know, you can as long as you get to the dance, right? That's that all that matters. is true. So, but we'll have to wait and see. Whenever we start up, whether it be 48 games, whether it be 82 games, whether we start January, February. We can't wait to see the Islanders back on the ice in the NHL in general. We've been talking with the play-by-play voice of the Islanders, Chris King. Chris... Wish we had more time today. Unfortunately, we got time constraints because we'd be probably talking for like two hours about Islanders history with you. Oh, absolutely. Because that would be a hoot and holler because all this stuff, because shoot, you've been around the team behind the scenes for the last 20 years. I'd like to know about Mike Millibury. No, I won't do that to him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We need a double show for that one. Oh, man.
1: (laughs) Going live for five hours with Chris King. No. (laughs) There you go. Chris, thank you very much for taking the time, and hopefully we talk soon about some real hockey on the ice.
2: All right, guys, thanks so much for having me. Always great talking Islander hockey with you, and like you said, hopefully we have our season begin sooner rather than later.
1: All right, all right take all care. Right. Oh, that was Chris King. That w- Two bangers, Alex. Look at that. Two Selly. bangers. Man, what a show. I wish we could. Oh, man. that. Can we tell Rando to call it for the night? Can we tell <laughs> Rando? No, we're calling him back.
0: Rando, absolutely not, not.
1: having a show. Absolutely Rando, not. taking the night cap. No, we got there. 11th- def- no, you want to hear what talking miners with the rando has on
0: twelve ounce sports. He's me
1: talking with the Danbury play by play. Not Danbury, excuse me. The, no, yeah, Danbury Hat Tricks play by play yep. guy tonight, and I'm talking more about the FPHL and what it's like being a Tennessee Titans fan. Apparently, that's a bad thing. Oh boy, which is funny because they're good this year. Are they? They lost last night. They lose yesterday. I don't know. Well, if they lose, they're probably not that good. Well, they were. They were undefeated, and they played. Here's the question: Are they better than the Lions, buddy? Joe Burrow is better than the Lions. <laughs> they may be 2-5-1, but Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are already showing that they're better. Hashtag TKS. Tell us what you think about the the episode. We'll have the replay tomorrow on our YouTube channel, but also make sure you follow us when we post it on our social medias at The Cueless Show, at The Cueless Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram the Twitch thing is still a thing, but we never ever go on there because we never have anything to post ourselves. Maybe we'll do that sometime next Monday, guys. Next Monday. I don't have the graphic up because I'm an idiot. No. The Detroit Red Wings Trivia Battle of the Century. It's, I mean, not really the century, but, I mean, it's you know, it's early on. Of the season? Of the history of this episode? Of, it is the Detroit Red Wings Trivia Battle of the month of November.
0: (laughs) Of the history of this episode, because last time we tried to do something similar to this, it was basically just a... NHL trivia game, and it was cringeworthy. Yeah,
1: it was bad. So, we're going to have Thomas Biondo versus Harrison Watt to be the determine who is the captain of the five-timers club, because there are going to be nine-timers, but they're going to whoever show who's the captain of the five-timers club, because apparently... What? King. No, Captain. They're going to get shirts with C's on them. One, the winner's going to get a shirt with a C on it. That's funny. And then the other one doesn't get one. He doesn't get a letter at all. Doesn't even no, get A. No, no.
0: They'll get an A. Kid, no, no. Yep. Doesn't even get Assistant an A. Cap. Assistant an a. cap. Doesn't even get an A. Doesn't no, even get an A. Can we give him a shirt then that says
1: Five Timers Club Waterboy? No. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a thing. That'd be stick, hilarious. Stick, stick guy. but stick, stick kid. Alex, I said I was going to take it home. You finish it off. Because you oh. you're the one that's good at this thing. Whee! She
0: upcoming next on 12 on sports talking minors with a random. We, we, we already talked about just what say he's goodbye be about. <laughs> for Tyler. I am your host,
1: Alex. We will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Turn off the mics this time, Alex. Would you have to go to the bathroom again. I mean, I don't really have like to pee anymore, so. I'll leave it up to you. Shall we leave the mics on? I don't know. Maybe we'll turn them off before I say something really bad right now. You stupid <laughs> son of a...